Eastside, by golly, we're about ready to go with more big action. Thank you very much, and welcome to Georgia Championship Wrestling. I'm Gordon Sully, your host, and we have quite an hour in store for us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Championship Wrestling at ringside. This is Vince McMahon, along with wrestling's only living legend, Bruno Sammartino. Welcome to this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, another outstanding card. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories, guaranteed 100% territory talk each and every week here on the show, and I'm your host, Ray Russell, and this week we're going to dive back into Georgia Championship Wrestling 1981 with guest co-host Jamie Ward, but before we begin the fun, just a quick reminder that you guys can listen to the Regional Wrestling Podcast along with sister shows like the Wrestling Memory Grenade, now in the middle of the 1987 in the WWF project, just began the month of September in 1987 over there on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. Also, listen to our sister show, Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, chronicling the weekly breakdown of the Monday Night War. Right now, we're in the middle of August of 1996, coming out of that Hog Wild pay-per-view, heading into SummerSlam. Always a fun time there on Monday Warfare. You can listen to all of those shows and more, all part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met, from Apple to Spotify, Google, and beyond. And be sure to follow me on social media, guys. You can follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like me at Facebook.com slash wrestling grenade follow me on social media for all the latest goings on here at the wrestlecopia podcast network and i'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history and speaking of videos make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel you can find me there at youtube.com slash wrestling grenade nearly 500 videos now up on my youtube channel and counting so subscribe today uploading new footage all the time as I continue to preserve my old VHS collection by converting it all to digital. I've also started converting all of my old DVDs to digital streaming files as well. So expect tons of new videos coming soon to my YouTube channel. And last but not least, before we get into the good stuff, I want to stop to thank all of the listeners out there of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, the Grenade, Monday Warfare, Regional Wrestling, all of the above. I want to thank you guys so very much for your continued support of the Podcast Network. So keep those retweets, those likes, those shares. Please keep them coming. And don't forget, if you have a couple of minutes, to leave me a five-star rating out there on some of those podcast streaming apps as well. It really helps me get to that next step. And so I don't just want to thank my listeners, but I absolutely want to thank all of my patrons. And I encourage you guys, if you have a few bucks laying around or a couple bucks in that PayPal account, if you guys want to help support that next up-and-coming podcast network, for me, it's all about quality content never half-assing a show. I do my due diligence from the research to the show itself, to the post-production, the editing. I take great pride in giving you guys quality content each and every week, both on my podcast as well as in my social media accounts as well. Now that said, I could really use your help if you guys do have a few bucks laying around and you want to show your support for all the time and effort that I put into everything I do here at WrestleCopia. If you guys want to give it a try, I'm talking about that $5 all-access tier located over at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com 
slash WrestleCOPIA. Multiple tiers to choose from over there at Patreon, but I'm only asking you guys to give it a try, like I said, at that $5 all-access tier. Get you all of my insanely detailed show notes for the Wrestling Memory Grenade Monday Warfare and the Regional Wrestling Podcast. Plus, you'll get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. You can listen days, sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. You'll also get remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade, covering the 1989 NWA project. Includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversation, originally edited out of the initial broadcast of the show due to time restraints, edited right back in. But that's not all. You'll also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure, and of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday Night's Main Events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more. Plus, random bonus video drops, newspaper clippings. You never know what I'm going to add there at that all-access tier, guys. You get all of that for the low, low price of just $5. It's early access, insanely detailed show notes for three of the shows. Book-like show notes, guys. I'm talking pages and pages of show notes for every episode of all three of the podcasts mentioned. Plus, you'll get Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs, remastered episodes with new content added in, digital downloads, and so much more. All of that for just $5. No subscription. Cancel any time. Show your support, guys. Give it a try for a month. I think you'll like the content that I offer. And every penny of it goes right back here to the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. You heard me right, guys. It's not funding a vacation. I'm simply using the money here on Patreon to keep the WrestleCopia Podcast Network up and running for the months and the years to come. So give it a try. Let me know you're there. Let me know you care. And now with all of that out of the way, we return back to the month of March in 1981 with Georgia Championship Wrestling. Alrighty, guys, and away we go. We get ready to head back into GCW 1981. And in order to do that, we got to bring him back to continue on this voyage here. A familiar name, a familiar voice here, not just on Regional Wrestling, but you've also heard him on John McAdams' Stick to Wrestling podcast, as well as a former guest of the 605 Super Podcast as part of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. I'm talking about none other than... Mr. Jamie Ward. Jamie, want to welcome you back to the show. Want to welcome you back from your trip to Florida. Uh, my pleasure to be back, Ray. It's uh, been a little while since the two of us have met up, but I'm ready to go. Yeah, it's been a few weeks. I had to do a little refresher myself, just go back over the notes and make sure I remember where we left off and where we're headed earlier today. But I'm good and I'm ready. I'm primed and uh, we're good to go, Jamie. I hope you're ready as well. I know you just had a little fun. I don't know if it was sunny down there in Florida, but we'll talk about that later in the show. But Jamie, you made a trip down to Florida and uh, got to attend Barry Rosen Company's final Fan Fest down there. Yes, I did. It was one of the uh, best times I've ever had as far as wrestling is concerned. It was a uh, really good weekend. And yes, it was it was sunny except for Friday night when, when the rain came and only lasted about an hour. Oh, very cool. So remember, guys, you want to stay tuned later in the show. We're going to talk a little more in depth about Jamie's visit down there to the Fan Fest. Uh, lots of pretty cool names down there. The Glamour Girls, Judy Martin, Leilani Kai were down there. 
Uh, was Baron Von Raschke down there, if I remember correctly? Baron Von Raschke was the main event. Okay, so Steve Kern, John Nord, Jerry Briscoe, Barry Horowitz. I think Bill Alfonso oh, yeah. right oh. down the middle, Daddy. And I'll give a teaser. It involves Bill Alfonso's house. Wow. Interesting. All right, so you guys yeah. stay tuned for that later in the program. But for now, if you're ready, Jamie, we'll dive back into 1981 in Georgia Championship Wrestling. All right, let's do it, Ray. All right, here we go, guys. So just a quick refresher for everyone, since it's been a little bit. So last we left off, we have changed bookers now, guys. Robert Fuller is out, and the Bill Watts influence is back in, at least for the short term. Now, Bill will wind up passing that on to George Scott and then back to Ole Anderson by the end of the summer. But for now, the Cowboys-style booking is back, and things have gotten noticeably more serious for the Freebirds and their promos. Uh, trying to end careers with pile drivers on the floor, assisted pile drivers in the ring. Michael Hayes cut a promo last week clarifying that the birds are no longer playing around, Jamie. Also, we know the junkyard dog is in town to assist good friend Ted DiBiase in his feud now with the Freebirds. And we also saw the return of somebody say something about wildfire Tommy Rich come back last week on Georgia TV. A stacked roster on the top of the card right now. Well, all the way down the card, really. Oh, yeah, their roster is completely stacked at this moment. I mean, not everybody has left. Not everybody has arrived. And those newcomers that are there has just pushed everything up over the top. And you can tell that they know that their reach on cable television is expanding every week. So we got the free birds on the heels side. Now it's Ted DiBiase, Junkyard Dog, Tommy Rich on the babyface side. And that's just some of the talent here. Of course, world champion Harley Race has been in town, seemingly put an end to his feud with Georgia heavyweight champion Tony Atlas. Of course, Harley Race defeating Atlas in the steel cage match at the last Omni show. Plus, let's not forget Kevin Sullivan and Steve Kern. The feud rages on over that national television title. Kern once again the champion, having defeated Sullivan for the belt at the last Omni card with the stiffest forearm shot you ever did see. Also, Mr. Wrestling 2 having issues with the interfering Don Carson in matches against the Stomper in recent events. And speaking of the Stomper, we had thought that Dusty Rhodes had dethroned the Stomper of the National Heavyweight title, Jamie, but the decision was overturned and the belt given back to Stomper due to shenanigans, if you will. So the American Dream, not done with the Stomper just yet. Also, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew back in town, Ole and Gene Anderson, a young Jim Duggan is having his issues with Charlie Cook in a battle of the former footballers and slowly creeping up the card, guys. Keep an eye on a young fellow by the name of Steve Olsonowski. Yeah, isn't it amazing how Dusty always seems to get screwed out of titles? Been binge-watching Mid-Atlantic with my son. He's going to be 14 in July, and, and I can't tell you how many times he's already seen it and asked that same question. And I don't feed him anything, Jamie. I don't feed him... I, I just sit back and relax. Mm -hmm. I already know what's going to happen, so I don't share my thoughts. I don't tell them what's coming up. When it happens, I don't sell it. I don't tell them if I like it. I hate it. I always I just sit there and listen to his thoughts, you know. And he's he's asked me over and over, why does this? Why does he keep booking this? Why is he doing this? How many times can you? Be, he already won the champion. They already taken it back from him there, and they do it here in Georgia even earlier than Mid Atlantic. And just think, he hasn't even, you know, your son or us. We hadn't even ever seen the Florida stuff. Right. So, <laughs> you know, how many times could it happen to the poor guy? The most unluckiest man in the but entire there is world. One common, <laughs> there is one common denominator in all that, though. And what would that be? And that would be the man of sweet soul. <laughs> Funky like a monkey, Dusty Rhodes. Well, 
maybe someday he'll go ahead and get that world championship again. We'll have to wait and see what happens with Dusty in the future here. But for right now, guys, we move along. We finished up talking about a house show card on March the 11th. So we fast forward just a few days here to March the 14th, Atlanta, Georgia, WTBS Studios, another edition of World Cha- or Georgia Championship Wrestling here in 1981. And we kick things off with a solid match this week. It's Ted DiBiase over Bobby Garrett. And then up next, Gordon Soley standing by with, wow, the Lieutenant Governor of Georgia, Mr. Zell Miller. And he's not alone. Right next to him, wildfire Tommy Rich. Let's listen. Welcome this gentleman, uh, the Honorable Zell Miller, to Georgia Championship Wrestling. Welcome aboard, sir. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here not only in my official capacity as Lieutenant Governor of the state of Georgia, but I'm glad to be here as a, as a wrestling fan from way back. I spent many enjoyable Friday evenings at the old city auditorium, and I've followed Georgia Championship Wrestling on television ever since. And I'm especially glad to be here today to welcome back to this state probably the most popular wrestler that's ever been on Georgia Championship Wrestling, Tommy Rich, and also to make him an honorary lieutenant colonel of the, of the governor's staff of the state of Georgia. Tommy, we're so glad to have you back in Georgia, and I know I speak for your millions of fans when I say we wish you well and welcome back. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Miller. It's, it's definitely an honor to be here, and it's a privilege to be standing here with you all. Thank you very much. It's good to be back in Georgia. Thank you. You're a fine young man, and we're all very proud of you. Thank you very much. Thank you. There you have it, Lieutenant Governor Zell Miller, presenting uh, Tommy Rich as a colonel in the uh, governor's staff, and certainly we're very, very thrilled and very pleased about this, and we certainly hope you come back and visit with us again. Thank you very much. Let's hold that out there, Tommy, so they can see it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll be back in just a moment. So there it was, Lieutenant Governor of Georgia and the future actual Governor of Georgia, Zell Miller, just two terms, 1990 and 1994. Miller making Tommy Rich an honorary Lieutenant Colonel of the state of Georgia for being a fine young man, apparently, here. If you only knew, Zell, if you only knew. And I I don't have the video here on the show, Jamie, but it's kind of funny. He makes sure Tommy holds up that plaque at the end of the promo. A true politician is Zell Miller here, and Tommy Rich, a fine young man. This guy, Zell Miller, I didn't know he became the governor later. However, if anyone has a chance to watch this on YouTube, this guy had must have waited his whole life to get to do an interview on Georgia Wrestling. This guy was into it. He took the microphone right out of Gordon's hand and just look at the expression on Gordon's face as he has to stand there with no microphone in his hand. And then he's the one that, he's the one that puts the microphone up so Tommy can talk into it. And then as soon as Tommy's done, you can see Gordon trying to grab it back out of his hand. Oh, it's priceless. Yeah, it's great. You can hear Gordon's voice too. You can always tell when Gordon's not necessarily happy with how things are going out there. His voice changes. And as he uh, finishes up the segment there, he he changes just the the delivery of his uh, speech pattern there. Gordon kind of changes things up a little gruff. Gordon Sully heading into that commercial break, but kind of funny. And I just, like I said, true politician, Tommy, hold that plaque up. Zell Miller really took control of that segment. Zell Miller was into it. I mean, they could have brought him back in the sub for uh, Gordon when he took vacation. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, man. <laughs> he knew what was going on here. Uh, but I was going to say, kind of like that guy on, um, if you go back to Mid-South Wrestling around 83, 84, mm-hmm. some guy that's a sportscaster, and uh, Watts gives him his moment, and he really gets into it. Yeah, I remember. I can't remember who that was or what the guy's I, name I was. I can't remember the name either. Yeah, he was there for a taping. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, 83, 84, around there somewhere. 
So we go on with the program. National heavyweight champion, the Mongolian stomper manager Don Carson in his corner. It's stomper over Ken Woodby here, and we follow the matchup with a promo from the champion, or more so his manager. Here is Gordon Soley standing by with the stomper and Don Carson. Carson, uh, you've made the statement to me several times that you never interfere in a match. That's right. All right, now then, several ringsiders have told me that in the most recent title defense that this man had against Dusty Rhodes, that you, in fact, did interfere, that you, in fact, grabbed... Gordon, are you telling me now that you're sticking your nose in our business? I'm not sticking my nose in your business. I'm relating to you what ringsiders have told me. Gordon Soli, I can prove to you and every person out there in the world that I had absolutely nothing to do with this man defeating Dusty Rhodes. I had absolutely nothing. I didn't move out of my seat one time, and I have on VTR. You can show it to the people right now if you want to. Exactly. I did not interfere one time. Well, you told me that you had a minute's worth of film that you wanted to show today, and if that's what you want to show, uh, let's take a look at what Mr. Carson is talking about. Let's see how well he can prove that he didn't interfere. All right, sir, now let's uh, let's pick it up at this point. Dusty Rhodes out. There's the bat boy out there doing something. He picked me up out of my chair, Gordon. Picked me up out of my chair. I'm sitting there minding my own business. Now watch this. Now, is, that, is it possible that a guy would stoop so low to come out and get a gentleman out of his chair and hit him over the head with a chair? Well, apparently you had been interfering earlier in the match and had been agitating the man, and... Uh, of course, the referee trying to separate this situation. The referee, how many men does my man have to fight at one time? Now, Dusty Rhodes caught him with there. Now, one, two. Now, what What was the leg doing up here? The leg was doing, he, my man put the leg over himself. Yes, sir. And that was not a pin. The referee right there was absolutely in the wrong. Mr. Carson, the way that has jumped, it's an obvious, it was an obvious situation here of a, uh, the bell being rung, but it was an obvious situation of film editing. Gordon, here's a man that comes like a thief in the night, trying to steal something, along with the people backing him up. Now, I've heard you say different comments out here. Now, Dusty Rhodes has gone too far. He can't go this far. He's using everything in the book to try to defeat this man. It is impossible for one man to defeat the Mongolian stopper. And I prove that time and time again. I shouldn't have to prove it every day of my life. Well, that was obviously a piece of edited film, sir. We did not see it was clipped off before, I think. You did it, not see anybody's leg over the rope, Gordon. Well, Tony. I'll just... It was very clear. Yeah, uh-huh. I'll, I'll, let me ask the ringsiders once again. They all said that they saw it happen. They saw you pick his leg up and put it on the rope itself. Gordon, I'm standing here in front of the world, and I'm telling you that I sat right there in my seat until that fat slob came over there and picked me up out of my chair. That is the only thing that I did. Walked out there like I always do, the gentleman that I am. I did absolutely nothing. This man right here is the machine. This man's the eighth one in the world. He proved that with Andre the Giant. And he has to, he doesn't have to prove it with anybody else. But he proved it that night with Dusty Rhodes that he is the better man. Well, all I can say, sir, is that the wrestling fans have never lied. And I don't believe they've lied to me now. I believe that, in fact, there was interference. And that's all the time we have for this interview right now. We'll be right back. So Don Carson doesn't understand why a rematch has to be signed at the Omni on March the 29th between Dusty Rhodes and the national champion, the Mongolian Stomper. We see highlights from the March 1st Omni show, Carson's interference, including putting Stomper's foot on the ropes. 
ref counting three anyway. The fun part here is the video jumps and we go from Stomper being pinned to his foot on the rope. Uh, conveniently edited out was Carson putting that foot on the rope, Jamie. So Gordon, he has it on good authority from several of the ring sign fans in attendance that Carson did indeed interfere. And then we go back to the VTR as Dusty Rhodes finally has enough of Carson's interference, snatching him up from ringside, blasting him with his own chair. Carson says he was just sitting there all match long, Jamie, minding his own business until that fat slob, I don't think Dusty liked that, attacked him. And so Carson says nobody can defeat his eighth wonder. Not Andre, not Dusty, not anyone. As Gordon once again putting over the fans, they have never lied, and they didn't lie this time. Carson did indeed cheat when Dusty Rhodes had the stomper pin. And uh, for those who don't remember, we came out of that Omni card with Dusty as champion, or so we thought. We learned on television the title was given back to the stomper because his foot was on the bottom rope, something that Don Carson had done. And this is one of those rare times, not that it hasn't happened before, when the uh, the bad guys show the videotape that it's doctored. Normally, the bad guys always accuse of the good guys of doctoring the videotape. Right. And here's one of the times that the bad guys actually do it. it it's actually a very good move to, to have something like this. But in this particular instance, I think Carson made in real life, a real big mistake here by calling <laughs> Dusty think? a fat slob. You think? Nobody <laughs> except for Terry Funk can get away with calling Dusty Rhodes fat. And this explains a lot about what's going to happen within the next month. I was going to say, where? how long do you give Don Carson to last here in the territory after that line? <laughs> and he says it twice. I mean, he calls him the fat slob at the end of the, at the, end of the interview, but he also says, Right in the beginning of the interview, the fat guy hits me with a chair. Yeah, yeah. He says he does. He does refer to him as a, the fat boy, the fat slob, twice in this promo. And it was just Ooh. last week, I think, where Don Carson was mocking Dusty's lisp, and then Dusty replied, "Coming out here talking about like I got a lisp or something." So it was uh, Dusty's certainly taking notice of some of the comments that Carson is making here. But I think Car Carson really is an underrated performer overall because. He was given three and a half minutes here with Gordon, almost four minutes with Gordon, and he never took a break. It was, it was not Jim Cornette, don't get me wrong, but it was reminiscent of Jim Cornette where he didn't have to think. You know what I mean? He just kept going. Oh, yeah. When Carson's on the top of his game, he is one of the best in the business. I mean, I've listened to a lot of the uh, Ron Fuller stud cast mm -hmm. when Carson was there in Knoxville. Carson was excellent on interviews. So making him a manager made a lot of sense. I, I would say his physical movements are kind of clownish yeah. for being a manager. But on promos, he was dead on. No, I'll agree with you. So clearly the Stomper, he has a return match now, going to take on Dusty Rhodes at the next card in the Omni, but they've had some other issues too going on with Andre the Giant and the like. So have to keep an eye on what's going on here with the Mongolian Stomper, as well as Don Carson, who has not only upset Dusty Rhodes, but he's also upset Mr. Wrestling too, which we'll get into as the show goes on as well. So, we head back to the ring, though, here on Georgia Championship Wrestling. It's Charlie Cook over Rick Connors. Wildfire Tommy Rich stepping in the ring, scoring a win over the future dirty white boy, Tony Anthony. I just got done watching that match. I try to prep before we come on, and that was yeah. actually a very good match. And you can understand why Anthony eventually moves out of this prelim uh, stage and ends up getting a push. I mean, it takes some years, but he does eventually end up getting a push in uh, several different places. Yeah, Anthony spends quite a bit of time in Mid-Atlantic in like 82. And again, I've been binge-watching Mid-Atlantic with my son. You, he didn't look like a whole lot, and his hair is a little questionable too, but we can't really 
control how our hair grows. But but he was in there and he just kind of looked, you know, like a job guy, if you will. And my son's like, oh, not this guy again. But then he starts watching this guy. He's like, hey, this guy is pretty decent. I go, yeah, that's why he goes on to, you know, actually get, get a push. He was dirty white boy. I told him and kind of explained to him some of the things that the dirty white boy did. And he's like, oh, okay. Then I go, oh, yeah. And he's also T.L. Hopper, but it is what it is. But yeah, so it's kind of interesting to see some of these guys, man. They were destined to become something, maybe not main eventers, but you can you can really feel which which of the uh, enhancement talent might go on to be something one day. Yeah, and actually, uh, I met Tony Anthony twice uh, when I was in Memphis in 1990, along with Dennis Carluzzo, and I was filming a uh, like a Get Well video for our own Tom Robinson at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, first I met him both in in Jackson on Sunday night. And I was sitting in the back talking to him and uh, Dirty White Girl, two of the nicest people. I mean, almost as nice as Bobby. That's how, you know, polite and everything they were. They didn't know me. And they talked to me for about 15 minutes. That's pretty cool. It's good to know who the good guys are out there. (laughs) But that's not the best part of the story. Okay. The the next night in in Madison Square Garden, the Mid Coliseum, (laughs) um, again, I'm I'm walking around backstage because Lawler gave me permission to get as many interviews with the guys as, as I could because I had my video camera with me. And I'm back there, and uh, Tony Anthony said, uh, I forget who his partner was. Maybe it was Jeff Gaylord. He walks up to me and he said, oh, how'd you make out getting your um, interviews with everyone? And I said, oh, I got everybody except for your tag team partner. He just won't do one. And uh, he says, what do you mean he won't do one? I said, yeah, he, he says he uh, doesn't want to do it. So about a half hour later, I'm just standing there, and um, I don't think it was Gaylord. I can't remember who it was. Tom Burton, that was the name. He uh, he walks up to me and said, hey, I'll do that video for you now if you want. And then I found out later from uh, the Dirty White Girl that Tony went up and uh, read the ride act to him. Wow, that's pretty like, cool. Who do you think you are, Hulk Hogan? You're <laughs> you're too good to, to do a video for a sick kid? And uh, and he ended up changing his his tune. I I thanked Anthony later on the night, and he said, "No problem." That's pretty cool. It's always good to know who the good guys. So are. So just a little side story there. Yeah, it's always yeah, good and, to and he humanize some of these guys. guys. Yeah, that's cool, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, it didn't pay off here in Georgia well, back, back in '81. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tony, that was yeah. Tony Anthony doing the job here to Tommy Rich, and then up next we got a soundbite queued up for an interview with Ted DiBiase, and he's going to be joined by Wildfire Tommy Rich. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, first of all, uh, Ted, I know you must be as excited and as pleased as we are about uh, the honor that was a- achieved by Tommy today. Hey, I couldn't be happier for you, Tommy. Congratulations on the win. I want to congratulate you on the presentation that we received today, and I want to be one of the first to welcome you back to Georgia. There's a lot of people, including myself, that are plenty happy to see you here. There's a lot going on in Georgia right now. There's a lot of cleaning house needs to be done, and I can tell you this. I'm starting mine on the 29th in the Omni Freebirds and Michael Hayes, and this time I got my main man, Junkyard dog in a corner, and he's not going to be handcuffed or ring post, Hayes. He's going to be running wild and howling at the moon, so be ready. And you're going to be facing Ivan Koloff. You know, before I talk about Koloff, Gordon, I'd like to say hi to all the people and just say it's good to be back in Georgia. And it's for Koloff, what it amounts to, it's America versus Russia, brother. And I'm ready, Gordon. You know, Ivan Koloff, I've had a run-in with him before anyway. So it ain't the first time I wrestled him. He's one of the toughest guys I've ever wrestled. And I'm just looking forward to it because I'm glad to be back in Georgia. 
Well, it's certainly a pleasure to have Colonel Tommy Rich back with us, by golly. Yes, Tommy. And uh, do it, babe. to you and the junkyard dog, I certainly hope that you're able to give the Freebirds exactly what they have There's coming to them. a lot of changes made around here, Gordon. We're going to get it done. There you have it. By all means, be sure and get your advance. Oh, had all them pretty Georgia peaches, too, Gordon. Uh-huh. Figured he'd do it. Don't forget, tickets on sale at all seats locations. Boy, they dropped the boat on that gimmick. Colonel Tommy Rich, that would have been something. Especially if they had to turn him heel at that point. Yeah, the heel Colonel Tommy Rich. That would have been great. That would have been phenomenal. He could have dressed up like uh, <laughs> Colonel Rob Parker, Colonel, Colonel Tom Parker there. Just done the gimmick way, way. Oh, way yeah. <laughs> but with the long, long bleached blonde hair and the dark eyebrows. Oh, it would have been awesome. Would have been, and a big cigar. Don't forget about a cigar. And a big cigar. Absolutely. <laughs> Did you notice Ted drops the line? A lot of changes going on around here. Yeah, Ted says a few things in the next couple of sound bites I have of him. That uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> Got some this shoot, is, shoot comments. In, in my opinion, with Fuller gone, this is the uh, best DiBiase has sounded in this three-month run that he's had in Georgia so far. But he showed up in, what, mid-December, and uh, he, he got saddled with Robert Fuller. And this was the happiest and uh, most heartfelt interview I've seen with DiBiase so far. Yeah, I felt like DiBiase being DiBiase rather than being throttled. And I don't know that that was really going on and being told, I know he wasn't scripted as to what to say back then, but it just felt like before DiBiase was just kind of going through the motions and saying what you would expect him to say when he was asked questions. And this time it was more, more pure that the commentary or the, the promo here with DiBiase is he welcomes back Tommy Rich to Georgia. He hopes he joins him in the house cleaning around here. Of course, making reference to the Freebirds. We learned that it's going to be DiBiase teaming up with junkyard dog at the Omni on March the 29th, to try and get rid of the birds once and for all. So Robert Fuller completely phased out, at least here on TV. And Tommy Rich then has to make sure to say hello to all the fans and eat pretty Georgia peaches. Aha, uh-huh, I knew he was going to get that in. So Tommy Rich talks his match for now with Ivan Koloff at the Omni on the 29th. And it's going to be USA versus Russia, says Wildfire. Rich is ready for the Russian bear. Yeah, Gordon sounded like a... Uh... His inner mean gene was coming out on that one. <laughs> Gordon is having fun here with Tommy Rich back in the territory. There's something there. Yeah, except for when, when that Miller guy took the microphone from him. He's been in a good mood this show. Yeah. Wrong Miller guy. Perhaps if it was, uh, you know, the Miller Beer Company or something along those lines, Gordon. Would... <laughs> but that's, <laughs> I digress. I, I, I don't think Gordon drank beer. From my experience, Gordon, I forget what Gordon was drinking that night, but it was see-through. My understanding is it, it, it was the vodka. Didn't have a man. yellow tint to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Gordon Soley, man, I, I kid around a lot about those type of things with him. It's just, it's fun to do, but I don't, you know, I don't mean anything by it. Just having a little fun. But, yeah, Gordon Soley, man, knocking it out of the park and having some fun here with Tommy Rich. And things just feel a little more fun now, even though they're going to get very serious very soon here in the territory as we're off to a VTR with a Mac and Dream himself, baby, Dusty Rose. He says he was up at Lake Tahoe. Doing some skiing, if you will. I would have loved to have seen that, Jamie. Celebrating his <laughs> national heavyweight title win when he got a call all the way up in Lake Tahoe. Got a call informing him that he wasn't the national champion. No more. Dusty Rhodes said he never heard the Omni crowd chant one, two, three as loud as they did when he pinned the Stomper. But even still, apparently, he's not the champion. So Rhodes calling Stomper lower than a whale's belly. Bellewelle, if you will. So what, did Dusty have to mail the belt back? Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. How did they know he was in Lake Tahoe? And why the hell are you bothering him, the guy, when he's on vacation for a day or two? Wait till he comes back. What's he going to do with the belt up there? 
Exactly, because the rest of the world doesn't know Dusty is <laughs> probably wrestling in Florida or New York City, baby. Just relaxing, baby. That's all I was doing. They took the title. I didn't even do anything. They took the title away. Up next, though, guys, we got a fun match of youth and power versus experience and cunning here as it's Big Jim Duggan taking on Mr. Wrestling 2. And this match sees Wrestling 2 trying out Wrestle Duggan time and time again, but it's the future hacksaw making comebacks with impressive power throughout the matchup. Jim even toying with Wrestling 2 early on, picking him up and sitting him on the top rope. Big mistake foreshadowing the finish later in the match, leading to Jim finally setting Wrestling 2 once again back on that top rope a second time. And while Wrestling 2 sitting there in that seated position, Duggan makes one big mistake, Jamie, turning his head just for a moment to gloat and turns back into a flying knee lift off the middle rope from Wrestling 2. And the Masked Man going to make the cover and get the three. And I want to get your thoughts in just a second, Jamie. But first, I want everyone to take a quick listen to the finish of the match. The fans and the call from Gordon Soley. And again, Duggan has brought him up. And again, he has set him on that turnbuckle. Again, he... Wow, he caught him with a knee. Wrestling 2 came off that second rope. Caught him with a knee. who really thought he had things going his way, and it appeared for a moment. Mm, did you hear that pop on the knee lift there, wrestling two, scoring a win? Fun finish. It wasn't just your typical match. They gave Duggan some work here. They told a story, a good story. He went to the well once too many times, got cocky, and he paid for it. But Duggan, getting a little better every week. And who said Mr. Wrestling 2 wasn't a high flyer? There you go. This is another one that people must watch on YouTube. When he comes off that top turnbuckle with the knee. It was awesome. I, I would have liked to have seen him pick that up and use it for the rest of his career if he could. That would have been fantastic. And I love the sound. I now, don't know if now, it was just I've, a little slap on the back or what the deal was, but just excellently executed. No pun intended, Brett. But, it, you know, it's just a really cool, really cool move, really cool spot. And I love that I they it set was, it up by doing the same really, spot twice in the match. I really thought it was good overall. I wonder if Duncan did that on his own the first time mm-hmm. because two looked like he was pissed. <laughs> when he got down from that. And when does then he I not? wonder as the match, he was also doing his Dusty Rose shucking and jiving in there too, if he caught yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. But I wonder if he, <laughs> if it got such a um, reception with the crowd. I wonder if he called that spot at the end. Could because be. I can't imagine two ever letting somebody on television pick him up and put him on the top rope. No, I hear you. I, I just, I loved it. If they did call it in the ring, very cool that Duggan knew what to do once he sat him up there that second time, kind of sell to the crowd, turn back, and eat that knee lift. But just a really cool spot, really cool finish. And again, I would love to yeah. have seen him hit that uh, more more often than he than he does here. But I think that's twice now he's he's pulled that off in just the last few months, but very cool. And Duggan shows some nice power moves in this. He uh, yes. body slams uh, two a couple times. However, you can really tell this is a – early Jim Duggan because his forearm shots are really weak looking here. Yeah. Duggan's he, not- he definitely, <laughs> he definitely improves as, as time goes on. I mean, he is still a little flat footed and, and heavy with well, you know what? just when he does the forearm shots, I well, mean, you know the rest happens. of it, whipping it to the ropes and everything. and just stops look real good. Yeah. You know what happens is he goes to mid South and he has a conversation with Bill Watts who tells him you better fucking lay it in tough guy. <laughs> You know, and I wouldn't be surprised at that because it is night and day yeah. here and two years later. Yeah. It, it's sure. definitely a different Jim Duggan. 
And uh, the show goes on, guys. National Tag Team Champions, the Freebirds. It's Gordy and Buddy Roberts defeating the team of Mike Davis and Ken Timms. Gordy scoring the win here with a pile driver as we're back to Gordon Soley now with the fabulous Freebirds on the mic. Michael Hayes carrying a familiar-looking jar, Jamie, as Gordon Soley asks him, what's in it? It's not vodka, Gordon. So <laughs> Michael Hayes tells Soley not to worry about the jar and puts over Gordy's pile driver as a deadly maneuver. Sully then mentions there's talk of the pile driver being banned in Georgia, and that upsets Hayes, who talks about the conspiracy of Ted DiBiase, who followed them from Mid-South all the way to Georgia, and then Junkyard Dog following as well, and now Tommy Rich is back too? Hayes says there's a plot in place to get rid of the Freebirds. And it certainly looks that way, and the fans are loving it. And Hayes goes on, he says the only way to prevent that plot is to get rid of DiBiase, JYD, and Tommy Rich first. Michael Hayes then warns the dog, lightning does strike twice in the same place, which is why Hayes went home to grab his mystery jar here. He doesn't owe anyone an explanation, just remember his list. The birds will rid Georgia of the names that he mentioned. Again, DiBiase, dog, and Tommy Rich. So Hayes not coming out right and saying it yet, Jamie, but clearly that hair cream is in the jar there that he used to blind the dog and making a hit list of sorts here. And here we have the uh, Bill Watts influence firmly in place. Every small detail and nuance to take this feud to the next level. Hayes so serious here. The jar is here. They're referencing an angle done in another territory. They brought it over here. They're referencing issues that they had with the dog and DiBiase and that they followed the birds here from the other territory without mentioning it by name. And here we are. It's starting all over again, and it's going to get really, it's going to escalate really quickly. Yeah, I mean, we've uh, visited this when they brought JYD in about a month ago, but I don't think we've ever, uh, up to this point, Hayes has had that jar of cream on television. So that's why he went home to get it now. Yeah, this is the debut of the hair cream jar, at least here in Georgia Championship Wrestling, and it won't be the last time we see it either. As we head back to the ring, a couple of matches here. Kevin Sullivan over Gerald Finley. Also the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ole and Gene Anderson over Charlie Cook and Jimmy Jones. I'm assuming Jones did the job there. I don't have that match on video. And Jamie, I got a question for you. What's better than one Dusty Rhodes promo? Two, three, four, five, six. I was just going with two here. But a second okay. Dusty Rhodes promo here this week on Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yes, that's right, guys. Another VTR here of the American Dream. This time, Dusty talks about his recent match in Columbus, Ohio, teaming with Andre the Giant to take on Ole and Gene Anderson. The Andersons left Andre in a crimson mess, says the Dream, but Dusty and the Giant won't stop until it's the Andersons who are bleeding. So a return match scheduled for Columbus, Ohio, which continues to get stacked cards and unique feuds and main events like the Andersons versus Andre and Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, exactly. Now, as my buddy uh, Rick Whitmore pointed out to me, uh, remember how I was saying I thought Ole and uh, Gene like disappeared, but obviously I was wrong because they seem to be here every month. But uh, Rick pointed out to me that why wouldn't Ole stay around in some way? Because he still had a pretty good share of the promotion. So if they're expanding to new territories, you need somebody to do the job to get the people out there. Who better to do it than do it yourself? Oh, I absolutely agree, and we know Ole will be back quite a bit here. Uh, by the That's end why Ole's been working. I mean, we're seeing a little bit of Ole on, on Georgia TV, right. but for the most part, he's working all these uh, Ohio towns now. 
Yeah, he's working the uh, big city. So he's working uh, Columbus, Ohio. Certainly, they're really trying to do something there. He's also still working those Omni cards, just working the mid card and usually doing a job to maybe an up and comer or someone who's getting a big push right now. He's not really feuding with the guys that we see him wrestle on the Omni in the last few months, but he's making sure to be part. He's still there. His face is still there. His name is on the card, and it's not just for Ole's benefit. It's for the territory's benefit as well, because if you think about it, Ole Anderson's name carries more water than, you know, just Joe Blow, random guy that they stuck on the card. Exactly. And then you have Gene join him, two for the price of one. There you go. So we move on. We've heard from Dusty Rhodes twice. So, hey, why not another Wildfire Tommy Rich promo as well? Tommy Rich. Oh, baby. Now. Oh, here we go. Tommy Rich putting over the Columbus, Ohio crowd as his upcoming battle with the Russian bear Ivan Koloff is looming. Gordon mentions Tommy Rich is the youngest man to be named Colonel to the governor's staff. Brother. <laughs> Gordon tells it how it is, baby. It is indeed. So Tommy Rich cuts a promo and then off to the ring. It's Wildfire Tommy Rich defeating White Lightning, Tim Horner. Well, he wasn't White Lightning yet, but had to be a fun match there. Could have been fun anyway, Tommy Rich and Tim Horner. No doubt they were playing by the rules, I'd have to imagine. Yeah, unfortunately, this match I could not find either. It's just one of those things that's been lost in time, I guess. Well, we always we can always hope that it pops up someday. As we roll on, National Tag Team Champions, Freebirds. It's Gordian Roberts again this time over Mike Jackson and Jerry Oates. Sounds like a fun matchup. And then once again, hey, what's better than two Dusty Rhodes promos, two Tommy Rich promos? Well, two Michael Hayes promos here as the Freebirds. Now Freebird, we're talking. Here we go. The Freebirds, Michael well, yeah, Hayes. I, I told you the Freebirds are, you know, Freebirds and Piper are my one-two of all time. So right. bring it on, Michael. Bring it on. Yeah, I don't have a problem listening to Michael Hayes during this era whatsoever. As we get another Michael Hayes promo, he's talking his birthday bash on March the 29th after the Birds beat JYD and Ted DiBiase. The Omni card the same day as Michael Hayes' birthday, who turns freaking 22. 22. This guy's already main evented the Superdome. And at 22, he'll be main eventing with the Von Erichs in Dallas as well, or 23. So and it's Gordy, crazy. Gordy's only 20 here. Right. Yeah, yeah, Gordy's younger than Hayes. And Buddy's only in his early 30s, even though he looks like he's 50. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> so. So here we go. The Omni card, the same day as Hayes' birthday, is going to turn 22 years old. Hayes talking about Ted DiBiase claiming to be a good guy, but yet forcing his partner, Robert Fuller, to step aside so that he could replace him with his main man, the dog. So I wrote kind of a shoot there, Jamie, because it's, it's somewhat true. Michael Hayes holds up the mystery jar once again, warning JYD to remember the thing that took him out took 10 weeks out of the dog's life, 10 weeks away from the dog. This time, it might be forever. So the veiled threats becoming less veiled by the moment. Oh, yeah. And you heard the story about uh, JYD couldn't even leave his house because the people were standing outside. And he had to make, work the Making gimmick. sure he, he was okay. Yeah, he couldn't even go out to his mailbox because he did it one day. And some people, you know, kind of noticed that he was walking and he quickly closed his eyes and pretended he couldn't see. Wow. Yeah, I hadn't heard that, but I do I do know the stories of he couldn't go to the store, he couldn't he couldn't leave his house, like you said. He was yeah. kind of stuck there for about two and a half months, unfortunately. And they were sending him money and everything in the mail. Hey man, if you're gonna pay me to sit in my house for ten weeks, <laughs> I can think I can think of worse things to do than get paid to do it. Hey, he he wasn't working, so that's how popular he was, and that's how popular he could have been in Georgia. Can you imagine? Uh, you know, and, and they say, Oh, nobody believed by the, you know, the 1980s. Yeah, I know. I get, I get a lot of people question, was it real? Was it, you know, whatever, was it a work? But 
just ask, you know, dog back then. <laughs> you know, it's like I got blinded. I t- had to take 10 weeks off. I couldn't see my baby and I couldn't, you know, pay the bills. I couldn't feed my family. And then all of a sudden, all this money appears in his mailbox. These fans are coming to his house and, you know, sending him a few bucks. Good people down there in Louisiana. Amen. So we roll on with a Ted DiBiase promo we heard from Michael Hayes. Now DiBiase responding, he says, he is no fool. He knows exactly what's in Michael Hayes' jar. The same substance that he used to blind the dog back in the Mid-South. So DiBiase and JYD coming prepared, whatever that means, for the Freebirds on March the 29th. And then from there, dog is not in the studio this week. So we get a JYD VTR to back up the DiBiase promo. Dog says he's looking forward to teaming with DiBiase at the Omni, taking on Gordy and Roberts, and he hopes Michelle, Michael Hayes, sticks his nose in the business because the dog has been waiting nine long months to get his hands back on Michael Hayes again. So Dog says March 29th, it marks Michael Hayes' birthday, but his party will be ruined. Well, Hayes should bring a cake. I mean, I'm sorry, JYD should bring Hayes a cake because we know where it'll wind up. I don't know. Was Bill wants a cake? I guess. I, I guess he was. He went along with oh, the story with the cornet. He was later. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I don't know if he's. He, he probably did it before that, but before he got to Mid South, probably uh, tri states or something. He probably used that angle. Or I'll bet that was used in Florida too. You don't think that was a Dundee deal? It could have been. Hmm. But I just figured it. There, is there anything Bill Watts hadn't done up to this point? Well, yeah, good point. He's seen it all and done it all, especially going through Florida and then being able to try some things out over there in the tri-states with McGurk and things as well. So, yeah, Watts had been around the block for sure, and he knew what worked and what didn't work, and they certainly do a damn good job moving forward here the, over the next several weeks of these storylines with the Birds, Dog, Tommy Rich, DiBiase, and et cetera. As we roll on, more matches here in the ring, Ted DiBiase over Rocket Monroe. It's also Steve Kern and Steve-O teaming up now. It looks like they're going to be a, become a tag team short-term anyway, Steve-O and Steve Kern over the team of Bobby Green and Larry Sexton. And then we get a promo from Kern and Steve-O with Gordon Soley. Olsonowski talking, he and Kern looking for a tag team title shot versus the fabulous Freebirds. He says they have the titles on their mind. And Kern then adding the Andersons, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, to their list as well, implying that he and O would be willing to fight fire with fire here. So very interesting. Out of nowhere, Kern and O. Kern's still the TV champion, now kind of teaming with O in their alluding that they're going to become a tag team. Yeah, I mean, just not looking at the Freebirds or looking at the NWA World Tag Team Champions. Right. Put them in their sights. So if all fails for JYD and DiBiase, Kern and Steve-O are ready to move in. Yeah, that's a a hell of a teardrop, though, for me. I don't know about that, (laughs) but it is what it is. Well, you got to have somebody be number two. Well, Steve Kern will go on to find a better tag team partner, in my estimation, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. So uh, we're going to close out this week's Georgia TV. And since JYD isn't in the studio this week, it's a VTR of Junkyard Dog over at Carl Fergie tape from the Mid-South Wrestling Territory. Going to conclude this week's episode of GCW Television, Jamie, as we roll on to Columbus TV results. Yes, I said Columbus, Georgia TV results for also for March the 14th. And on the card or on the show, Steve-O over Rocket Monroe, national champion Mongolian Stomper defeating Jerry Oates. Had to be a fun TV match. Terry I wonder Gordy. if that was a title. Go on. Excuse me, right? I yeah. wonder if that was a uh, a title match because it's not too often one of the Oates brothers loses on television. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, that would have been a hell of a, a match for TV, Jerry Oates. And that's Columbus. That's the hometown there of the Oates, or at least it feels like right. it. It's the way they're booked right. there. Yeah, so maybe that was a title match. 
That would have been fun to see, honestly. Uh, could have been, and it would have been a hell of a match, I'm sure, for television for the fans there in Columbus, Georgia. But also on the show, Terry Gordy defeating Ted DiBiase on a DQ, and then they have time left over for a standby match. Remember those? It's Ted DiBiase back out again, this time teaming with Mike Davis, defeating the team of Jimmy Jones and Mr. X, which is probably Rocket Monroe under a mask or something. I don't really know. So for those curious, these guys actually make the drive from the Atlanta TV taping in the morning to Columbus, Georgia, to work this TV live, not counting the haul to whatever city they're working that evening. So it wasn't exactly Mid-South mileage, but the struggle was real back then, Jamie. Yeah, but fortunately, they when we got here, only like eight guys. So if you have a problem and they can't make it, they can adjust the cards. Right. You know, later later in the day. But have, I just noticed something on the, the last TV taping. Yeah. Michael, I'm, I'm going to say it's Michael Hayes because he was the leader. He must have really liked Mike Davis because it seemed like almost every week it was Mike Davis and somebody against the Freebirds. Ever since that Mike Davis, Kevin Sullivan, Austin Idol deal, uh, right. they always seem, to, always seem to work with Mike Davis on TV. Well, there's another name that, you know, I mean, I know he didn't reach superstardom, but that was another quite a talented guy was Mike Davis who kind of floundered around in the ter- territories, you know, with the RPMs and all that stuff. But all the way into global, Mike Davis had something to do. Yeah, he had a good run and uh, might be still most famous for being dream light, if you will. Well, that or getting shot into space and collecting a moon rock, for those who watch ESPN anyway. Well, you've heard that story, right? <laughs> where, where, where Sullivan um, starts turning Mike Davis into Dusty, Dusty Rhodes, right. and then Dusty makes the phone call and tells Sullivan, no, 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 baby, we're not going to have any of that. Yeah, and it's so funny because I've seen so many people online ask the question, why did it stop so abruptly? Well, <laughs> you don't have to use your imagination too much to figure that one out. I mean, Dusty Rhodes gets window, but he's like, no, no, I, I don't sound like that. that that's not me. Uh, you might as well tell him to stop doing it right now. And that's, <laughs> Imagine if he heard the two of us going at it. Oh, my God. That'd be the end of me, I'm sure. I'd be, I'd be canceled tomorrow. So He'd <laughs> come down the chimney and choke your kids. Yeah. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember that one? Yes. Yes. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Dusty Rhodes, Mac and Dream. Love you, Dust. Love you. Stardust, baby. So uh, we'll, we'll roll on, though. So we talked about Atlanta TV. We've talked about Columbus TV. So let's move back to the house shows real quick. Just a couple of them here in between the next TV show we're going to talk about here. March 14th. So we did TV and then we did Columbus TV. Also on March 14th. The wrestlers were off to Carrollton, Georgia, as well as Chattanooga, Tennessee. So first we'll stop at Carrollton, Jamie, and I just wanted to point this out. So March 14th, Ted DiBiase starts off that morning in Atlanta, drives south to Columbus, 90-minute drive nowadays, 107 miles. I don't know how long it would have took back then before all of the highways were added. But then back north after the TV taping in Columbus, all the way up to Carrollton, another 90 minutes now in 2023, another 100 miles back then. So I'm not sure, again, how long that really took back in 1981, but DiBiase, he literally drives 90 minutes, 100 miles south, and then drives almost right back to Atlanta just to work that night. So it's kind of silly, but it is what it is. And uh, on that night, though, and we saw both of these guys in Columbus for the TV taping, it's Ted DiBiase defeating national champion, the Mongolian Stomper, in a non-title matchup there in Carrollton at the fairgrounds. So pretty cool matchup, but I can't imagine them two riding together, but that kind of sucks because they're they're married together all day long, all of the TV tapings, and one's a face, one's a heel, so they're probably not traveling together, so that kind of sucks. 
Yeah, I wouldn't think they would have traveled together. Right. Because, you know, kayfabe was kayfabe back then. So we roll on. Also on March the 14th, the rest of the talent head up to Chattanooga, Tennessee in the Memorial Auditorium. It's Gerald Finley over Bobby Garrett, Kevin Sullivan defeating Ted Oates, Charlie Cook over Big Jim Duggan. Mr. Wrestling 2 defeats Don Carson by pinfall, so take that, Don Carson. Also, the Freebirds National Tag Team Champions, Gordian Roberts, defeating the team of Steve Kern and Robert Fuller. Is Fuller about to finish out just his last few dates here in the Georgia Territory? Yeah, I think by the end of this week, he's done. Yeah, and he's already done on TV. They've already kind of dismissed him from television. He's not showing up there. He's not being mentioned there. And he's just finishing out some dates here. Like you said, for the remainder of this week, I, I do believe. Yeah, well, you don't want to burn your bridges. You might have to work with Watts again someday. Right. So we roll on March 16th, Augusta, Georgia, the Bell Auditorium. It's Mike Davis over Ken Timms, Charlie Cook again over Jim Duggan, Joe LaDuke still here over Jerry Oates, Steve O defeating NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion Les Thornton on a disqualification, and in the main event, six-man tag team action. Going to see all three fabulous Freebirds. Hayes, Gordy, and Roberts down the team of Steve Kern, Ted DiBiase, and Robert Fuller. And then we move on. Columbus, Georgia, Memorial Auditorium on March the 18th. It's Jerry Oates over Kevin Sullivan. And I wrote Kevin Sullivan. Now, moving down the card a little bit, he lost to Tommy Rich on TV, as we'll see. Oates also here on the house show. So I know Columbus is the home city for the Oates brothers, but still odd to see Kevin Sullivan do his straight-up job to Jerry Oates, at least, at least for me. Yeah, but you're right. He's moving down the card here. Uh, Sullivan's gone within a month, so he's doing the right thing on the way out. Also on the show, double win here for the Oates boys this week. So we saw Jerry Oates over Sullivan. Now it's also Ted Oates scoring a win over Bobby Eaton. They're going to have a return match, though, next week. But right now it's Ted Oates over Bobby Eaton, Steve Olsonowski over Les Thornton, the NWA World Junior Champion. I'm assuming, again, by DQ, because we know Steve-O does not become the World Junior Champion. Also on the card, Ted DiBiase and Mr. Wrestling 2. Listen to these weird results, Jamie. Tell me what you make of this. It's Wrestling 2 and DiBiase over the Freebirds, Gordian Roberts, by default. Do you think that's a typo online, or what's the deal? Because I couldn't get straight answers, and I found this in one of the fanzines. I do not know uh, by default. Maybe they mean a countout, like maybe they walked away from the ring. I think I could come up with that they intentionally walked away and took a countout because it's definitely not forfeit. There's no way they wouldn't give these fans a match. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It, it, it had to be they just walked away. And then in the main event, kind of an unusual challenger here, but it's national heavyweight champion, the Stomper over Charlie Cook to close out the show. Yeah, good to see Charlie getting a uh, title match before he exits the area. Well, yeah, that's true, too. Just seemed odd. That's all. Maybe so. I would like to have seen that maybe on TV. That would have been fun. Yeah, would have been a good match for television. As we move on, we're almost back to TV again, but before we do that, we're going to stop Friday night, March the 20th, in Gunnersville, Alabama at the Gunnersville High School. 8 o'clock p.m. bell time sees World Junior Heavyweight Champion Les Thornton versus Kevin Sullivan and the National Tag Team Champion Fabulous Freebirds taking on the team of Ted DiBiase and Wrestling 2. Now, we don't have results for those matches, but I found them kind of fun, and it's, it's really cool to uh, be able to attend a show at a high school gym and see this caliber of talent. I guess this was probably one of their fundraiser nights. It could be. And the following day, we head back March the 21st to WTBS Studios once again in Atlanta. And we kick off the show with Steve-O scoring a win over Ken Woodby before heading over to a promo with Steve Kern and Steve-O, the brand new tag team just established last week. We'll see how long that lasts. 
Kern here talking the previous matchup between Steve-O and Woodby. He says Woodby was trying cheap tactics throughout the matchup, but Steve-O, he stayed within the rules, and thus he prevailed. A babyface is babyface here, as Steve Kern in this promo. From there, Steve-O taking over on the promo. He talks his father, who I think is Larry Olsonowski, being a former Green Bay Packer, and his brother, drafted by the Chiefs back in 1977, who also went on to sign with the Vikings. Steve says he's always been in athletics and in competitions. As Kern then taking the mic back over, says some people live off their history, but Steve Kern, he looks forward to the future. The competition continues to get tougher and tougher around here, but Kern and O, they may not be the biggest wrestlers, but that's why they push just a little harder, Jamie, and they're ready for all comers. Yeah, and but I guess putting Kern and O together is just another step in the cultivation of Steve-O. We've seen him come in in September, work you know, with Sullivan and, and some others, and then giving him a lot of TV time as far as interviews or doing the play-by-play along with or color along with Gordon. And this is probably just the next step, throwing him into a tag team and see how he responds to being in the tag team. I'm telling you, they try everything with this guy, and I'm not even saying that in a derogative way. I just mean they literally try everything with this guy oh, outside, yeah. and, of, outside and, of a world title shot anyway. And learning from Steve Kern definitely won't hurt because Kern's a grizzled veteran by this point. No, yeah, and I mean, if you got nothing going right now, like you said, Kevin Sullivan's on his way out. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to spoil everything for everyone right now, but Steve Kern, it's not a whole lot for him right now, so why not You know, let him... Like you said, groom Steve-O for maybe some plans they might have for this young man in the upcoming weeks or months or whatever the case may be. So I don't mind the team. I just feel like I, I wish they had something for them to do here other than cut these milk toast promos. But it's what they are. They're baby faces, and that's the way it is. As we roll on, it's the first of many promos this week. Imagine that. From Wildfire, Tommy Rich, away we go with Gordon and the Wildfire. And certainly a pleasure to have him uh, with us here again today. One of the things that I've been asked during the past week, Tommy, uh, of course, last week we were tremendously honored when the lieutenant governor of the state of Georgia was here, and uh, uh, the governor has made you an honorary colonel and his staff. Uh, one question, however, that a lot of people have asked me, of course, they all remember the uh, problems you went through with that knee. How's that knee coming along now? Well, Gordon, you know, I took some time off and went home and uh, been doing some jogging, been doing some leg exercises and working out. And, you know, I feel like it's 100 percent, 110 percent. You know, I feel like I'm ready to go. It's good to be back in Georgia. And I just think it's all there. And I think it's all I think everything's all right. It just feels everything feels good. Well, I know one thing is you can tell by the crowd here. Everybody's exceptionally pleased about that. there is there's something about Tommy Rich. Uh, he has a charisma that uh, very, very few athletes have, but you couple that with great ability in the ring. Well, thank you very much. You know, Gordon, I'd just like to say, you know, the people have been unreal coming back. The people's been fantastic, you know, and uh, it's like I said, I've been, I've been home, I've been working out, and, and uh, it's just good to be back here in Georgia, and I'm looking forward to some super competition. I've seen the competition that we got here, and I'm just looking forward to getting in the middle of all of it. Well, you're coming up against some very tough competition in just a moment in Kevin Sullivan. Yes, you know, I, I, I used to ride in the car with him, Gordon. I know him pretty good, and I'm just looking forward to getting in there. I'll find out how bad he really is. Well, he's, uh, he's a man that's exceptionally dangerous in the ring, but, uh, uh, Tommy, I know, of course, that uh, uh, with the conditioning you do, and, of course, you have that electrifying uh, vertical body block that has uh, done you so much good. 
Yes, I've been real fortunate with that, and I've been working on a few other holds, and uh, I feel like I've got it all together, and I think this will be a good test right here with Kevin Sullivan. I'll find out how much I do have it together. Okay, thank you so very much. Tommy Wildfire Rich, and he's going to the ring at this time, so let's turn it over to our ring announcer. And there it is, the first of several Tommy Rich promos here for this episode of Georgia TV. Tommy talking his time away from Georgia Championship Wrestling says he went home. He puts over the Georgia fans and feels 110% again, giving his knee time to heal. Rich says he will be taking on Sullivan in just a moment, a former friend of his that he used to ride up and down the road with, but now he's going to find out just how bad Sullivan really is. Yeah, Tommy Rich, all excited to be back. He has the, I don't know if you caught it, the peoples are behind him. There you go, the peoples. That's right. The the peoples are behind him. (laughs) That vertical body block, a.k.a. the Thez Press, Gordon Sully putting over Tommy's finisher here. And and this was actually a very entertaining match. And once again, something you just don't get today, even with the 18,000, 20,000 people for Monday Night Raw taping. Right. You would have thought 18,000 to 20,000 people were in the Georgia studio during this just, match. It's just crazy you, some of the stuff you, that, that really, I mean, the crowd is, I know it's a small, like you said, a small crowd, but the reactions are so huge. I mean, they even uh, muffle out Gordon's voice every now and then. Yeah. They're that loud. When things get hot enough, they absolutely do. Gordon can't fight them. I would have loved to have been in a TV taping like this back at that time. I was at the uh, Memphis TV studios three or four times. And, yes, it got loud. And it was it was a great time. But I would have liked to have been in something in the, like in the middle of this back in the day. Oh, no doubt about it. I would have loved to have been there as often as possible. I mean, it's uh, it's amazing. The crowd, it makes you – you can feel it now all these years later. The crowd's response, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be sitting in the middle of all of that. And, you know, like you said, it's a pretty loud crowd here throughout this next, next matchup. It's Wildfire Tommy Rich taking on Kevin Sullivan. And they tease Tommy Rich re-injuring his knee here in the matchup while performing an atomic drop. But Sullivan making a mistake. And then Tommy Rich capitalizing with the Thez Press, the vertical body press, and gets the win here in 6 minutes and 15 seconds. Huge win by Tommy Rich here over the utility player slash MVP of Georgia Championship Wrestling, Kevin Sullivan. On TV, Sullivan doing a job to Tommy Rich. Big time win for Tommy Rich. Yeah, Sullivan's been around almost a year at this point, and there isn't anything uh, he hasn't done that they asked him to do. He's been so, faced, he's been healed. Right. He's now, you know, kind of has worked as mid card enhancement talent. He's done everything that's been asked to him. That's, yeah, that's uh, absolutely true here. He's, he's certainly been all over the card, he's done everything, he's been in tag teams. Like you said, face, heel. He's done everything. He's really done everything here over the last year. So it's no wonder that Kevin Sullivan went on to do so many big things and be so big behind the scenes as well because he clearly has a real mind for the business, more so than than just the average guy. And I'm sure this time, well, again, he probably spent time with Watts in Florida a little bit, learned a little bit at the hands of Watts here. Oh, sure. Watts, Eddie Graham. I can't imagine all the people that he got to deal with. He was even, you know, up there in New York. I don't know who all would have had their hands on. Not that there was a lot going on storyline wise, but he was he got the ideas of what worked where because he'd been everywhere. And you really don't think about that unless you start thinking of the career of Kevin Sullivan and all the places he's been, because a lot of people just think of Kevin starting around the mid 80s. Maybe that devil Florida, that that devil, that that devil in uh, Florida, Kevin Sullivan, and maybe a little even beyond that but sullivan had been in the business over a decade prior oh yeah he had already been in the um 
what's the name of the guy that had Knoxville before Ron Fuller? He worked for that guy. Uh, he was already in Florida before 75. And then he went in a few years stint in the WWF. I'll bet Gorilla Monsoon probably played a big part in his career if you ever talked to Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, I never even thought about that because you never really think about Kevin in the WWF, even though he was there for quite a while. I mean, I know he was there, but you never, when you think Kevin Sullivan, it just, you never go to the New York time. So, right. Know, he, from he, Boston and all, too. I mean, looking back, he was like the uh, predecessor to Rick McGraw, that short, powerful wrestler right, that, right. you know, as uh, Vince would say, on any given night, anyone can win. And that, uh, that was kind of his role in the WWF. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. So, we get back here to Georgia here in 1981. They've clearly established this prior knee injury to Tommy Rich in case they need to use it in storylines going forward. And up next, what else, Jamie? But yet more. It's Yes, he goes into the match with Kevin Sullivan. He cuts a promo talking about his upcoming match with Kevin Sullivan. So what do we do coming out of the match? What else but another Tommy Rich promo? I talk to Tommy Rich because you just passed one tremendous test, but you've got an even bigger one coming up the 29th of the Omni. Yes, I sure do. You know, Kevin Sullivan went right for my leg, you know, and, and I thought I was 110%, and I found out today with him, you know, you can't take nothing away from Kevin, Kevin Sullivan. So, you know, I'm ready. I feel ready, and, you know, just like you said, Domney, I'm starting with the Russian bear, you know, the Americans versus Russians, you know, and I'm looking forward to it. You know, Cole Olf, I hope you're somewhere out there. We butted his before. You've won a few, and I've won a few. But it's th this time in the Omni... It's going to be a whole different thing because I want to show the people that wildfire is completely back, that wildfire can do the job, you know. When I left here, you know, there was a lot of doubt in my mind and the people's mind, too. Well, I'm coming back, and I'm coming back strong, Koloff, and you're going to be a stepping stone for me, so you better be ready. It's not a threat, a warning, or nothing. I'm just telling you, you better be ready for me because I'm ready for you, and I'm coming to the Omni with everything I got, 110%, and when I walk out of there, all them people's going to be hollering, go, Tommy, go. Tommy Rich talking Kevin Sullivan going for his previously injured knee during that bout, but he was ready for it, Jamie. Then on to facing Ivan Koloff, the Omni, March the 29th. Tommy says they fought before. Koloff's won some matches. Rich has won some matches, too. But Tommy plans to win this one in the Omni to prove to everyone that he is back 110%. Tommy then referring to Koloff as a stepping stone on his way back to the top. Seems like an odd random match between these two guys for the Omni, but, well... We'll see what happens as things progress towards that Omni card. No spoilers yet. I'm going to guess they just want someone in there that the Atlanta fans, they remember. Mm -hmm. And they bring Tom, they bring Ivan in to face Tommy because they know Ivan can make Tommy look even better than Tommy is. Right. It's a familiar name and automatically and uh, it's, a, it's at least a semi-main event Im immediately. So the name makes sense in that in that sense anyway. I mean, this is Tommy here is almost getting a dusty like push. Oh, there's there's no doubt about that. And uh, what what do you think? You know, I'm going to throw something at you here. It's not in my uh, my notes or anything like that. But what was it? What was it? What was it? The booking? What 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 got Tommy Rich over to this? Well, let's let's call it a Hulk Hogan esque level, at least in the Georgia territory. I think it's just that he was that popular with the fans when what was he there from '78 through. Early 80? Yes, somewhere around uh, the, the summer first, of 80, The first maybe? time around. And he, he just developed. The fans took to him. Kind of what they're doing with Steve-O. They took their time in pushing him. And, you know, by the time he left, uh, he had gotten to the point where the fans actually thought he was going to beat Harley Race for the title. So, you know what? He doesn't beat Harley 
He goes away for a year or so, wrestles as a heel. This sounds like a David Von Erich story, which is happening almost at the same time. And there might be a race for the NWA belt here. I'm, I'm imagining Barnett feels that maybe Tommy is his uh, golden goose at this moment. He might be able to get his hands on that title and get the champion on Georgia TV more often than the champion's ever been before, especially if it's one of his hometown guys. Yeah, it's so weird to hear so many people who don't really know the history or want to care about the history rip on Tommy Rich and his popularity and his world championship run, if you will, if you want to call it that, and, and never really take the time to realize how over this guy really was. And a lot of people go, but how and why? I don't get it. It just just organically happened. And, and the fans related with him. And I'm going to tell you guys, Jamie, you've listened to my shows I've done with Tom Robinson in the past, and I know you've referenced it more than once, so I know you remember my Tommy Rich story. Well, Oh, yes. I'm not going to tell that here because it's going to take a while, and it's really not part of it. Well, maybe someday we'll share it here on this show, too. But I left a part of that story out when I told it with Tom because it wasn't really in reference to my time with Tommy Rich. Was After I was done with my evening, my day, my whole day long with Tommy Rich, I went to go visit my then-girlfriend. And she was at her aunt's house and I come in there and I said, oh, I've been driving around all day with a wrestler. And this is a lady who hadn't watched wrestling since this time period. And, oh, who, who did you drive around? I said, oh, you don't know him. You never heard of him. I said, oh, well, who, who is it? Maybe I heard him. I said, oh, this guy named, because Tommy hadn't done, you know, anything worthwhile. And to a person that doesn't watch wrestling, hadn't done anything where you wouldn't know his name. And so I said, Tommy Rich, she screamed like it was the Beatles, Jamie. Oh, wildfire, Tommy Rich. I said, I can't. That's the first human being that I ever see rea- seen react like that. Oh, wow. Because it took them back in time to that time. That was a fan from the you know early 80s or whatever the case may be that clearly watched wrestling at that time and looked at him like their Hulk Hogan, their junkyard dog, whatever you want to call it, the like Von Erichs, whatever. That was her you know big deal. And she like screamed like, you know a teen idol or, or something like that. And this was back in the late nineties. Right. So or maybe 2000, something like that. And it was, it's crazy to just see you. That was the only time I've ever visually saw a response that I kind of got that flashback. I wasn't there, Jamie, but I got that flashback from one fan as to just how over that dude was. I mean, he was over my, I used to watch Georgia wrestling with my mom just about every Saturday night. She enjoyed watching it just as much as I did. Her favorite wrestler was Tommy Rich. However, she always used to say, Tommy, I'd like to cut that hair. <laughs> she, thought, she thought he was a good-looking man. Yeah, that's, that's understandable. <laughs> and, and today, my, mom, my mom's not with us anymore, but she would have turned 83 today. And I was thinking about you know her all day long and a lot of her things. And that actually popped in my mind today, how much she liked him and she loved Michael Hayes also. But she wanted to give them both a haircut. <laughs> Speaking of Michael Hayes, we roll on with the show. National Tag Team Champion Freebirds in the ring. And oh, Michael Hayes ringside, not going to get in that ring. Instead, it's Gordy and Roberts over the team of Jim Powell and Jimmy Jones. But then we hear from Michael Hayes. He does what he does best here. It's a Michael Hayes promo as he talks once again about his birthday on March the 29th and says, unfortunately, he has to come to Atlanta on his birthday. So if he's forced to come to the Omni, he's going to come at his opponents and he's going to come at him hard. Hayes tells the cameraman to zoom in on the mystery jar, which isn't really a mystery anymore at this point, but the words J.Y. Dog are now written on the jar this week. As Hayes says, looking at the dog makes him sicker every time that he sees him. He refers to dog as boy here with a capital B. 
Hayes says, <laughs> you're telling me, Hayes no. reminds, <laughs> sorry, you're fine, man. Hayes reminds the dog that he blinded him once before and he can do it again. So Michael Hayes then begins to talk smack on JYD for going on TV and talking about his wife and his daughter. And that's what it takes to draw out the junkyard dog. Talk about its family. Talk about a man's family. Out comes JYD. He has heard enough from the backstage area. He rushes out and bitch slaps Michael Hayes right across the face. As the two men take the fighting there, Gordon solely looking to try to restore some order as we take a commercial break. Wild nonsense going on in the studio there. And then back from break, the fight has been broken up, but Michael Hayes remains with Gordon. Hayes talks about being humiliated on national TV, being slapped by the dog. Hayes says every time JYD gets hurt, it's because he sticks his nose into other people's business, specifically the Freebirds business. Hayes says he never started this feud with Dog, but Dog just keeps pushing him. Forget about the Omni. Michael Hayes says, let's do it right here next week. Gordy and Buddy Roberts versus DiBiase and the Dog on TV. If the babyfaces have the guts to accept. So Michael Hayes will show them just how devious he can be. Wait till we get there. That's all I got to say. Yeah, but how about that? What a hot, uh, you know, heading into the commercial break. Dog... Hayes starts talking about the dog's family. That's all he can stands. He can't stands no more. Dog comes out and just pops Hayes right across the mouth. You're going to talk about my daughter? I don't think so. And then everything gets so hot, the crowd explodes there. We head into a commercial break to cool it down. You're not changing the channel, Jamie. That's for sure. And we oh, come no. back. And Hayes has more to say. Unbelievable. Yeah, we had Gordon taking control, saying, let's go to a break, as he likes to do. And, and then Hayes is right there, just adds more fuel to fire when they come back. Hayes even angrier than he was heading into the commercial because now he's been humiliated, he says, on national television, getting slapped across the face from JYD. Can't wait to see what happens next, but you guys will have to wait till we get there. March the 28th television. For right now, it's back to the ring. Steve Kern scoring a win here over Jerry Novak. Random appearance by one of the bounty hunters here. And Ted DiBiase going to team with his good buddy, Junkyard Dog, taking a win over Bobby Eaton and Buck Brannigan in about five and a half minutes. DiBiase scoring the win here over Brannigan with the figure four leg lock. You know, Br Brannigan, mm -hmm. uh, along with Bobby Garrett, were two of my favorite job guys at this time. And I really think both those guys could have got a nice mid-card push as a tag team. Uh, my only guess, the reason Brannigan didn't, he must have had a real good job in real life and just didn't want to dedicate the time to being a wrestler. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I saw both of those guys probably on the same show, an outlaw show, just a few episodes taped down there in the Georgia area, uh, Blackjack Bobby Garrett, and uh, also Buck Brannigan on those shows as well. And Brannigan got a lot of mic time. I'm not saying he was, you know, Ric Flair or anything out there on the on the mic, but, you know, he, he did a really good job, I thought, as a heel, or maybe, I think it was a heel. Yeah, I just remember watching a couple episodes of some kind of outlaw show down there in the, around the Georgia area from this, somewhat around this time frame. And seeing both of those guys on it, and I agree, those were the you know the next men up, if you will. If the main eventers weren't there, those guys would have had to have been getting pushed up the card a little bit. Yeah, and they were around for a couple of years, but they basically only appeared on television and and maybe some weekend house shows. So we roll on. We're coming out of the dog and Ted DiBiase scoring that tag team win. And up next, it's JYD and DiBiase speaking with Gordon Soli. DiBiase says, "What goes around comes around to the Freebirds." and good things come to those who wait. DiBiase has waited long enough for the right time and partner, Jamie, and now he has his main man, JYD, 
and they're coming for the birds at the Omni. So no response yet to Hayes' challenge for next week on TV. Maybe he's saying, we're a little too smart for you guys. We're not going to fall for it. But pretty dismissive of Fuller here, as DiBiase says, I've waited long and hard for the right time and the right partner to get even with the Freebirds. Yeah, this definitely isn't monotone Ted DiBiase. Since Fuller has been taken out of the power spot, uh, the real Ted DiBiase has been shining through. We waited long enough to say it. It's DiBiase of the Mid-South to a, to that next level. Oh, yeah. I'm loving what I've seen here just over the last couple of weeks from Ted DiBiase. From Michael, Michael Hayes has been great since he got here, but since you talked about that Bill Watts influence, since Watts has come back or kind of has his foot in the door anyway, Hayes has just stepped up his game to another level. He's He's more, you know, devious than he was prior to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And again, it's that whole Bill Watts storytelling. And I, I know that this whole time that we've been doing this podcast now, I just keep putting over Bill Watts. But Bill Watts was that great. The attention to detail and the intricate. In, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, right? Come on. Intricate. Yeah, intricate. Intricate. Uh, story, Storylines have just been great. And. The Georgia moving into all these new markets over cable television, they actually had the right man at the helm at the moment. And even when they when he uh, leaves and goes back, Ole and George Scott are ready for this challenge because the groundwork is already laid by Bill Watts. Yeah, Scott, he's not there for just for a cup of coffee, if you will. But Ole Anderson comes back in and he certainly knows what to do with what uh, Watts has presented them. So it's so funny, you know, I was watching uh, 95 in the fall of 95 when Watts was promised the uh, creative control of the WWF. Get real, Bill. Cowboy comes in, books one TV taping, kills all the baby faces for the first time in years on television. It's brand new television to the fans. It's awesome. Everybody's left laying dead. The Undertaker one week and then the next week it's everybody else. Diesel, Sean, whatever. It's awesome television. And then, you know, it was three weeks of raw taping and then Bill quits after one week so he's already gone before it's even done airing so we'll never know you know what i mean but it was so awesome for that little bit that bill was there yeah and if if bill hadn't um him and vince had could have just got along who knows if wcw the you know the following year ever overtakes him for the lead and the monday night wars ever happened yeah what could have been it is what it is. It's uh, far, far in the future here from 1981. So we'll head back. Actually, we're going to go back to Madison Square Garden, guys. You heard me right, MSG. We see a clip here of WWF champion Bob Backlund. Well, actually, it's Bob Backlund winning the WWF title from superstar Billy Graham here. And you might be asking, why are we watching this here on Georgia TV? But it'll make more sense as we get closer to the Omni. Bob Backlund on his way to Georgia for a one-off. You know, of all the matches... And- and they did this the following year when he faces Flair. And even in the in-between time, I think Backlund comes back for the uh, Thanksgiving tournament this, uh, in 81. Right. They show this match where the ending is back and winning the belt with Graham's leg on the rope. Why <laughs> Why would you Why would you show the, a champion winning a title in questionable circumstances, even though they, they never mention it? Just the average fan's going to recognize, didn't they reverse that? Yeah, right. I, I yeah. hadn't even thought it's, about especially that. here after the Mongolian right. stomper angle. Right, it, they always showed this match when they had tons of matches. Even at this point, Madison Square Garden and the Spectrum were both recorded Backlund matches. They they couldn't have shown one of those. Yeah, Backlund had wrestled so many guys, including Graham again after that time period. So 
it's kind of weird. You're right that that they would show that. I, I didn't even think about that. I just assumed that superstar Billy Graham, the name they used the the name value of Graham back when beating Graham. But then you're, you're right. There was the whole foot on the rope steal. So yeah, it doesn't yeah, make. I, a I lot mean, of sense. you, you could you could have showed him pinning Ivan Koloff. There you go. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you want to do that, but we'll get to that. Well, I'm, I'm just I'm just saying for for example. I mean, not probably at this point, but even you know six months from now, oh, we're sure. going into the match with Flair. Why show that match all matches and they show it over and over again? They show that match in 79 when he comes in for that uh, short stint. Right. I, I, I just don't, don't get it's, it. It's just the tape they had laying around, I guess. Most likely you got that right. It, it's probably the only tape they had a back one. And uh, didn't even bother senior, to ask for a new one. Vince Sr. didn't feel like spending the money to send him a new one. Yeah, there you go. So we go on with the show. So Bob Backlund headed in, by the way, guys, to Georgia Championship Wrestling. Going to work an Omni show very soon. We'll get into that as we go along here. I don't want to spoil anything. But for right now, national heavyweight champion in the ring, the Mongolian Stomper scoring a win over Dave Stanley. And then, boy, he's really testing that knee, trying to prove he's back to 110%. He's only said it 50 times here this week. Tommy Rich takes on Big Jim Duggan. So we already defeated Kevin Sullivan, and now he's taking on Jim Duggan on the same program, this time in the second hour. And it's referee Charlie Smith in the ring as Duggan progressing with experience, countering the Fez Press with a hot shot. Very cool deal there. Countering Tommy Rich's finisher with his own move, the hot shot there across the top rope. But Tommy Rich whipped into the ropes, sliding under the legs of Duggan, turning it into that sunset flip type pinning combination. Going to score the relatively quick win here. Over Duggan in three minutes and 20 seconds is wildfire Tommy Rich. So good stuff once again from Jim Duggan here, but simply outsmarted by experience yet again. But he's on to something here. Duggan is getting better even while he's losing to wrestling to Tommy Rich. And Tommy Rich looks like a world beater, defeating Kevin Sullivan and Jim Duggan on the same TV show. Might as well put Tommy Rich in a blue outfit with a red cape right now. That's where he's headed. <laughs> Superman. There you go. But, but you know what? Jim Duggan... Once he's been here three months now, he's been very impressive. Yeah, he's gotten I mean, better yeah. relatively quickly. I mean, compared to what you know what they used him for in the WWF since coming down here to Georgia, Jim's getting a little time on the mic, not much, but when he gets it, he's utilizing it, and he's certainly learning in the ring with some of these guys. And just because he's losing on TV here, I mean, he's going to come back three more times, I think, during the course of '81, and gets a push before he you know, tapers off again. So they did a good job of getting Duggan ready for the future in 81. And as the show rolls on, what do we have here next? Somebody say something about yet another Tommy Rich promo. After this victory over Big Jim Duggan, you're ready for a man like yes, Cole. I've had two tests today. I had two tests. I started with Sullivan and Big Jim Duggan, Duggan, whatever his name is. The Russian bear out of Cola. It's on there, brother. It's on there. I'm coming after you, just like I said. I've been in a chain match with the man. I've been in all kinds of matches. I feel good today. I've had two tests. I know I'm there. And the Russian bear. The Russian bear right there. That'll be my last test, Gordon. If I can make it through that, and I'll know I'll be ready. Well, that's going to be a tough test indeed. And I know all of you are going to want to be there because I know that crowd means a lot to you when they're cheering you on. Yeah, and you know, and it's one big thing about it. It's almost like the Americans versus the Russians. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I want all the people, you know, it's been super, all these people. They're great today. And I've been getting a lot of mail. 
And I'm just glad to be back in Georgia. And Russian Bear, I'm coming after you, brother. It's time in. I'm ready. You better be fired up. Because I'm fired up, baby. And the Wildfire says he already had one big test today in Sullivan. And now it continued here with Dugan, Duggan, whatever his name is. Rich again warning Ivan Koloff to be fired up at the Omni because Tommy Rich sure will be. So Tommy Rich continuing to push that match with Ivan Koloff as the final test. If he can get through Ivan Koloff, then Tommy Rich is ready for the world title and beyond, I, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the Russian bear, USA versus Russia, and Tommy is ready for the challenge. Show goes on. We see a matchup in the ring, Kevin Sullivan defeating Jim Powell. Then we get a Kevin Sullivan promo. Refers to himself as the best conditioned athlete today. Putting over that new physique of his, he says there's nobody that can beat him, fair and square. And if we were playing the pyramid game, Jamie, I'd call this things a heel says, because good as always, a heel promo from Kevin Sullivan said all the right things that a bad guy should say. Excellent analogy, Ray. I agree 100%, because that's what they all say. But unfortunately, Kevin Sullivan really going nowhere at this point, but they're still giving him TV time, giving him some mic time there, cutting a nice promo as we roll on. Speaking of good promos, we get a VTR here from the promo man himself, the master, baby, the rap master, Dusty Rhodes, continues to talk. He and Andre looking for revenge on the Andersons and vows to leave them covered in blood as the Andersons did them in their upcoming return match in Columbus, Ohio. And then we go back to the ring. We see Joe LaDuke still here. How about that? Joe LaDuke scoring a win over Buck Brannigan. And with Robert Fuller gone, I'm sure Joe won't be too far behind. And Joe never got a super push here anyway, but he did make a few bucks and bide his time until whatever his next big thing was. I wonder if Joe had a decent job outside of wrestling because he really never got a super push anywhere again after this. I mean, a little bit in Alabama, but I, I wonder if he lived in Alabama and you know could make the, the uh, drive real right. easy. Yeah, yeah, because he wasn't working a full-time schedule on the house show. Some weeks he would work every show. Some weeks he would barely work at all. So you have to think something else was going on there with Joe LaDuke. Yeah, I'm guessing he probably had a good job when he outside, but just wanted to keep his foot in the door. And yeah. Fuller provided that for him. He sure did. As we roll on, we heard from Dusty Rhodes talking about his side feud, if you will, with the Andersons, still going on with Ole Anderson after all this time. And at this point, we go to a VTR this time from Ole Anderson, who pokes fun at the damage that the Andersons have done to Dusty Rhodes over time, leaving Rhodes and Andre a bloody mess in Columbus. <clears throat> he says, the good guy's faces are a mess. Meanwhile, Ole says his face is sartorial splendor, Vogue-esque. That's one way to uh, describe Ole Anderson, Vogue-esque, <laughs> says Anderson. So I have to ask you, Jamie, do you know what sartorial means? No, but I, I've heard that uh, expression many a time. Really? I see. I've I never just heard always... that before. I said, what the hell? I'm, I'm going to be honest with everybody. I have no idea what it meant. So I had to Google it. I'm like, what the hell is sartorial? And it, it apparently it means wearing so, clothes with style. So Ole Anderson refers to himself as Vogue-esque and stylish in, in the clothing nature as well. That's two things you yeah, never I've thought heard, Ole Anderson would say. Oh, no, not at all. But I've heard <laughs> that saying many, many times, but I never thought to think of what Saturo actually means. Right. I, I noticed the splendor is, is looking good. Right. Saturo, even Vince McMahon used to use it a lot on WWF TV. Oh, okay. All right. Normally it does sound like a Vinceism. When Blassie would come out with all his diamonds and you know sparkly outfits, uh, Vince used to say Saturo splendor a lot. Okay. Well, that's new for me. Very cool. <laughs> but I, I had to Google that because I was like, what, did it, what the hell does that mean? So well, there, there it was. He's a classy You're dresser, so to speak. So that's why I've heard I'm older than you are. (laughs) 
Ole Anderson continues on. He says he isn't worried about Dusty and Andre. He tells them, don't just talk about it. Come do something. So Anderson never wanted to back down. Promos like this is why Ole was on top for as long as he was. Satorial splendor. Unbelievable. So uh, Ole Anderson calling out Andre and Dusty. I- I'm not going to back down. Is- Stop talking to talk. Bring it in the ring. But it's still something you would have never thought you'd hear Ole say. Oh, certainly not. Yeah, and that's just not an Ole line. <laughs> an Ole line would be, I'm going to knock your teeth down your throat. There you go. That, that certainly sounds like an Ole Anderson promo, for sure. So we started this here with a Dusty Rhodes promo. We heard from Ole on the other side. And then what, what better thing to do than go back to Dusty yet again for a second VTR here with Big Dust. Dust announces he's bringing Andre back to Columbus to take on the Andersons one more time. He says there's going to be a Royal Heine kicking, and they will cover the Andersons' faces in the red this time around. So Dusty Rhodes vowing revenge, and he's going to make the Andersons bleed when they head back to Columbus, Ohio. Wouldn't you love to have a, uh, a videotape of those matches that they I would had? I love to those have seen those bloody, uh, would have loved to have seen <laughs> a match between the Andersons and Andre and Dusty, especially a bloodbath. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. I just ran into somebody recently or was talking to someone on Facebook that was actually there for uh, the beginnings of Columbus, Ohio. Wow. And okay. it, they said how electric that town was. I can only imagine with the, with the cards they were bringing them. They were stacking those cards. Certainly, it, it started in the, the latter half of 80, and it continues on here. They're, they're already in March of 81. At least six months of just stacked cards. And they never leave. No. I mean, it continues right through Crockett. Right, yeah. As uh, we roll on with the show, Ted DiBiase and Junkyard Dog in the ring again, scoring a win over Mike Cassaway and Jerry Novak. And then up next, Gordon Soley standing by with the Junkyard Dog and Ted DiBiase. Let me just say on the onset, man, you really plastered him. I don't have to apologize to nobody for nothing I did, but let me tell you something. I come in for a reason. I got myself a good partner here. I'm going to wrestle anybody throughout the world, but the main thing is, I know what I can do. I don't have to prove nothing to nobody. Ted D. Boss here along with me, and it's going to be some serious business taking care of around here. Well, I know, of course, it was a time of adversity for uh, the junkyard dog when you uh, first met up with him. That's right, Gordon. You know, not, not a whole lot, not a lot of people in the area realize what this is. The people in the Louisiana area understand it, because this is where it all started. But Junkyard Dog and I have been friends for some time, and when we came together down there in that part of the country, it was because the man was injured seriously. He was injured very seriously, and it was an injury that could have cost him his wrestling career. And it was a time when he really needed a friend, and I happened to be there, and the dog and I got together, and, and uh, we formed a friendship and a relationship, and we were have worked together as a tag team, and I asked him to come here and to be my partner, and now I've got all the confidence in, in the world, in myself, and the dog. I've got a partner that I believe in, and that I know is going to be there every step of the way, and we are here for business. We are here to, to, to wrestle and to show everybody the team that we are. And, of course, athletic has been uh, your, your entire life. Yeah, you know, I participated in, I had an amateur background in high school and college. I also played professional football. I played one year with Houston, three and a half with Green Bay. You know, I've been through a lot of rough stuff. This is nothing new to me. Anybody, anywhere, anytime, if they want a tag team match, I'll take Ted DeVos and we'll go out throughout the world. We'll wrestle anybody. Fair enough, gentlemen. We're going to see you in action right now. If you want to... By the way, one, one thing. What about the challenge by the Freebirds for next Our week? actions speak for themselves. Down the ring. So the duo still not responding as of yet to Michael Hayes' challenge for next week here on TV. Dog says if you take Hayes away from the other two birds, 
you've got nothing. And Dog's Mama ain't raised no fool. DiBiase says they are no fools. They know what Hayes has in mind, but it'll be Hayes who pays the fiddler at the Omni. And then, of course, the matchup, like I said, DiBiase and Dog getting the win there. As we roll on, though, we hear from the other side. As the fabulous Freebirds are out to the ring, it's Gordy and Roberts scoring a win over Zane Hickey and Gerald Finley. Before we hear from Michael Hayes yet again, Hayes with some questionable comments here, Jamie, to say the least, continuing to refer to the dog as boy and talking JYD's quote-unquote greasy and slimy paws being put on Michael's beautiful face. Yeah, rough comments from Michael Hayes. I mean, not to excuse it, but that is just kind of were at the time. Looking back, it makes you cringe when you like that. Rest no stranger to uh, racial insensities at that time. I mean, even going into the Ric Flair, uh, Leroy Brown feud about a year later, uh, you look back and you just cringe. Yeah, some things do cross the line. I think small insensitivities and things like that, back then anyway, made money. And as long as the right guy got, got their comeuppance and the right guy went over in the end of the day, I don't mind. It's just like watching a movie to me. I know a lot of people want to take wrestling away from the movies and, and, and shit on these things that happen in wrestling, but are okay in the movies when wrestling is just as, uh, I don't want to call it fake, but you know, you can call it whatever you want. But I agree. There was a lot of comments made fairly often that were certainly across the line or over the line and that were unnecessary. Uh, but just the insensitivities in themselves, maybe hinting at things I don't have a problem with from this time period, as long as the right person comes out on top and somebody's not doing it just because they can, if that makes sense to you. But uh, yeah, in this instance, Michael Hayes taken a little overboard, but Michael Hayes took it overboard for a very long time following uh, this here in 1981. He was still doing things like this in 89 mm-hmm. at the very least. So, I mean, uh, and, and apparently beyond, and sure he got was, suspended for that up in I'm the sure WWF. Yeah, I'm sure he was spitting the same stuff out back during the Mid-South uh, feud. Oh, I, also. I have no doubt. And he had to watch his back down there as well, I, I, down in Louisiana. it's uh, He's just trying to draw heat. You could call it cheap heat if you want. But it's Michael Hayes being Michael Hayes. And for better or worse, it's just trying to get some heat here. And yeah, there was a few too many. It was unnecessary to go on and on and on like he did here. But Hayes also goes on to say that the fans cheer the dog simply because they want the Freebirds gone. Well, Michael is going home for a couple of days to sit on the beach and put the final pieces of his plan together. And when he returns, his plan will be complete. Hayes again instructing the camera to zoom in on the jar. He says that he knows that no good ignorant dog can't read. But on March the 29th, Michael Hayes' birthday, by the way, he will get rid of the dog and Ted DiBiase. As nobody pushes the Freebirds around and somebody is going to get hurt and hurt really bad. He tells the dog then he better kiss his baby goodbye. So some of these more recent Hayes promos are borderline death threats in certain ways. Yeah, and with Hayes having the plan, we've already seen this, what, three times? He had a plan at the Thanksgiving tournament. He had a plan Christmas night. He had a plan New Year's night. He had a plan at the end of uh, January, early February, to get the belts back from Fuller and, or rather, was it DiBiase and Big Stan, or was it Fuller and Stan? Um, DiBiase and Frazier. DiBiase and Frazier. But so far, every time he's had a plan, it has come to fruition. Yeah, and it works every time, whether it was the handicap match that Robert Fuller got coaxed into, whether it was the Fantasia Gamble match. The Freebirds always seem to come out on top. Good point. Yeah, for six months, they've been on top of this promotion. 
As we roll on, we got one more segment here this week on television, Jamie, a pretty big segment. It's national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper, Don Carson in his corner, of course, taking on Steve-O, Steve Olsonowski, as Stomper has a rematch with Dusty coming up at the Omni in just eight days' time. But right now, he has a rematch of sorts with Steve-O, because if you guys recall, it was Olsonowski, the only man to go more than four minutes with the Stomper here on TV just a few weeks ago. And in the final minutes of this match, Steve-O makes the big comeback, gets the Stomper up in his finishing airplane spin maneuver. That's right, it's finisher of the airplane spin, guys. But Don Carson running in to interfere, but Carson running right into the Stomper's legs in the middle of the airplane spin, and down goes Carson. As Steve-O making the cover on the Stomper, one, two, but Don Carson puts the Stomper's foot under the bottom rope, similar to what he did with the Stomper-Dusty Rhodes match last time at the Omni, Jamie. So Steve-O goes for Carson on the apron, but Stomper charging from behind. Steve-O, though, out of the way, and Stomper running into his own manager. Steve-O then with the reverse rolling cradle on the champion, but Carson in the ring and up to the middle rope. Steve-O stops the cover to slam Don, grabbing Don Carson off the middle rope, slamming him down to the mat. And it's Bonzo Gonzo around here as the referee calls for the bell after all of the interference. Steve-O going to get the DQ win in seven minutes, and the crowd just eating it up. And I don't know if it'll work long-term, but they had the studio crowd here today with Steve-O, and that fan response even sucked me in. Oh, yeah, it's right up there with the Tommy Rich-Kevin Sullivan match from last week. The, the fans were on top of their game here. For those who don't remember, it was national champion Stomper versus, at the time, national TV champion Steve-O the last time out. And Steve-O actually was the first man to last more than four minutes with the Stomper on TV and still never managed to have to do the, the job job. So here we go. We get a rematch of sorts. They don't really discuss it a whole lot here on the commentary, but it is a rematch. And Stomper still can't put Steve-O away. In fact, Steve-O nearly beats him twice here, uh, even with Don Carson trying to get involved. So Steve-O really working his way up the card, whether you realize it or not. This isn't just for TV, guys. Oh, no. This is... Um... Somebody really likes Steve-O, and it's not even Booker-wise. Somebody behind the scenes likes Steve-O because he's been moving up ever since he has gotten here. He has not been, uh, even if he has lost, he hasn't looked bad in those losses. So things are looking bright for Steve-O, and it's not over yet. And, uh, Jamie, you had hypothesized it was probably maybe Jim Barnett, who was a big fan of Steve-O. I'm not saying that tongue-in-cheek, guys. I'm just saying that maybe Jim Barnett saw something in Steve Olsonowski because we can't really figure out who it is because O's push started with one booker and continues here with another. So maybe it's somebody a little yeah. higher up than just a booker. But just like you said, not for the the smart fans' reasons. I, I think he saw just a nice white meat baby face here right. that maybe they could make something out of not necessarily now, but maybe a year or two from now, they could do something with Steve-O. That's why they're developing him slowly. Yeah, and O hadn't done a whole lot prior to this anywhere, and so you could kind of bring him up from, make him out of scratch, whichever way you want. Mold him, mold the clay the way you want, so to speak, and Steve-O could have been, you know, whatever. We're going to see him do some bigger things here in the weeks to come, guys, so stay tuned for that. As we close out this edition of the March 21st episode of Georgia Championship Wrestling, one more matchup, VTR from the Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling Territory, the Raleigh taping, it's Greg the Hammer Valentine defeating Steve Muslin, a.k.a. Steve Travis, so perhaps we can expect to see the Hammer sometime soon. Not really sure why else they would be airing this. 
You know what? Let me go back to Steve-O just for a moment. Something just sure. popped in my head. Absolutely. You know, Vern had points in the promotion in 79. So maybe as we get into um, into 80, he still has some points, you know, in the promotion. Has this young guy that's working prelims for him that maybe he would like to have returned sometime and be able to push the guy. Sends the guy down to Georgia to get some seasoning. Yeah, I mean, if he worked out of that, that agreement with the guys that had a little more, you know, at stake, so to speak, I could, I could see that as well. I mean, it's, it's who knows. Yeah, I've heard Barnett and Ganya were actually got along pretty well. Okay, so maybe this is. I, I didn't give it any thought until just now. Maybe this is, you know, what it was. Send him down for seasoning, and then eventually you bring him back up here as a uh, a challenger for Bachwinkle at some point. Even though I think Vern has the AWA belt at this time. All right, guys, and that'll wrap up this edition of Georgia Championship Wrestling, and we're going to stop right there as far as Georgia goes this week, Jamie, but lots of things building up for that big Omni card. Ted DiBiase right now is scheduled to team with JYD to take on the fabulous Freebirds. We know it's Stomper and Dusty Rhodes in a rematch as well for that national title, so some big things coming up here right around the corner on March the 29th, but before we get there, we're going to tackle a little more house show results and also the March 28th edition of Georgia Championship Wrestling. And of course, we're going to cover the Omni as well next time here when we meet up here on Regional Wrestling. Yeah, I can't wait till we come back again uh, the next time. I mean, March 28th, March 29th is going to be two big shows. And we might wind up just doing two hours on just those two shows. There's so much that goes on. Yeah, there's. it's very possible because I have some good sound bites for March 28th, but there's a lot going on on that March 28th show. And there's a lot to talk about. At length, I, you know, I don't want to just rush through things because there's some big angles and some big things going down next week on TV, I should point out. And then, of course, the Omni, the very next night. And that's not to say anything about the April 4th edition of TV as well. I got some house show, or excuse me, I got some sound bites and other things ready for that one as well. So, But before we close out this week, I know you just came back from that Florida Fan Fest. Barry Rose and company putting out those great Fan Fests each and every year. Unfortunately, they announced this is going to be the last one, at least at this point. So sad to see it go. I never got to attend a Florida event down there for the Fan Fest, but I, you know, I always hear good things about it. And Jamie, if you want to share anything, any uh, stories or, or any questions you may have asked or got uh, answers you got from some of the wrestlers while you were down there, now's a great time to do it before we close out this edition. Yeah, it was a uh, great weekend. I went down on Friday, came home on Monday, uh, spent a lot of time hanging out with my buddies from the uh, the other ship broad uh, podcast. There you go, and those guys. Every show plug us, so I always want to return the favor and plug uh, their show. They they have an upcoming show where they're going to review everything that happened at, at the Fan Fest. I had a great time. It all started, I got there Friday morning, and the group got together and said, we're going to do something at 1.30, and that thing that we did at 1.30 was go to a uh, former referee and manager's house where we ended up shooting a promo. And that manager referee won Bill Alfonso, Fonzie himself. There you go. You want to talk about a guy that is hyped. That guy <laughs> is hyped 24-7. Yeah. Uh, I've, met, I've met him several times up here and then uh, always down there. But just such a nice guy. Opened up his house to us. And, uh, and we cut a promo for the uh, Florida Fan Fest. And then when we got done there, we uh, w- went to lunch with Fonzie. It was a group of about 15 of us. Wow, sounds like and a fun- good start to the day. Oh, yeah. Fonzie just tells all kinds of stories. He, if you ever get a chance to beat Bill Alfonso, 
there is one cool dude. He's got to be 65 or so. And uh, he's just been with everybody. And he's not afraid to tell his stories. He he tells everything. Yeah, it's so um, funny. You got that whole group of people that only know him really from the ECW. They fail to realize, man, Florida you know, Championship Wrestling from Florida. He worked for uh, WCW. He worked for Vince McMahon, especially during you know during that giant Gonzalez run and things. So Fonzie was Eligante's handler at one point, you know. So yeah, he's, he's definitely got a lot of stories for sure. I got a great story that I cannot tell on a podcast that involves <laughs> Phil Alfonso and the giant Gonzalez. You wouldn't believe me. That's why I can only tell it in person. Well, I heard Fonzie uh, once tell a story. Uh, I believe it was on like a shoot or something like that. That I. I can't believe he told, but it was his story, and it involved him uh, and, and Eligante. So I don't know if it's the same uh, story or not, but it's certainly something it, that I wouldn't share if it was me. That does it involve something that happened after something? It could. It could. It could. Okay, it's probably the same story, but it, it's not something that should really be for public. But <laughs> no. if you ever get a chance, if you ever get a chance to meet Fonzie. <laughs> there is one cool dude, but that wasn't even like the highlight of Friday. Friday gets better. The last couple times we've attended independent wrestling shows on a Friday night for this WNN promotion that's uh, in a uh, warehouse in uh, Port Ritchie. Okay. And uh, they put like on a show just for our group. And there's like 50 of us that go to the show. And uh, they love it because we boo the heels, cheer the faces, right. <laughs> give them hell. And, and they love all that kind of stuff. And um, um, they had a good show. And then... Last time we were there, they did a Q&A with Jimmy Garvin after it was over. Oh, that's cool. For an hour. And, and that was really good. Now, this time, it was a guy who I wasn't excited to hear because what could he have to say? Uh, John Nord was the special guest, the, the barbarian and where he's you a, are he's now. A, he's an entertaining cat. I'll say that much. A berserker. <laughs> yeah. I will say that I had more fun with John Nord than I had any other actor that has attended any of those things. He was great interview told no holding back, no holding yeah, back at that's, all. That's for uh, sure. I've heard him. I've heard him talk. He, he, he was telling a Gary Hart story that I can't even repeat here, but that's not even the best <laughs> part with John Nord. So myself and my buddy, Charlie Devlin, we go back to the hotel with everybody else because as part of the, the wrestling show, the interview with Nord, also have is a free open bar back at the hotel when oh, we wow. return fun times yeah oh yeah so everybody comes back they, they they hit the open bar and uh me and charlie are just standing there in, in the hotel lobby and uh john nord comes up and just asks uh, like where can i get some food around here or something so somebody else walks up orders him some food and he stands there with us and charlie mentions about the you play in the usfl right that's all Charlie had to say, and it opened up the floodgates. And for the next hour and a half, we sat there with John Nord, and we talked football. Wow. We talked that's about nice. how Steve Williams was his teammate with the New Jersey Generals and oh. how Herschel Walker was probably the greatest athlete he's ever seen in his life. And I told him, you know, I was, I'm from Philadelphia, so I remember the Oates brothers. And he said, oh, that was two guys I never wanted to go up against. Wow. Uh, Brad Bardo, who were offensive yeah, yeah. linemen. Yeah, yeah. And, and he just talked football with us. And then he would go into some wrestling, talked about uh, all the great Kurt Hennig ribs and, um, you know, how so many wrestlers came out of Minnesota. And, and we went into so many just side subjects that had nothing to do with wrestling. 
He was one cool dude. And by the time the weekend was over, because he appeared at the Fan Fest too, I now have on my phone John Nord's digits. And he has mine. And he told me just just call him anytime he wants. And he was a really I thought Fonzie was cool. This guy took cool to the next level. Went to the bar with us um after the uh, events were over on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And and then uh Saturday was it started off with an hour of um they call it a cup of coffee with um Jerry Briscoe and Steve Kern. And it was like a, a Q&A session. It, it was kind of on the lighthearted side. Those guys telling a lot of their old stories. And then when it was over, uh, the fan fest part of it started. And they stayed. And in came Von uh, Raschke, who you could take your picture with. The Glamour Girls, Judy Martin and Layla, I were there. Ty told me about, I asked her, or when did you find out that you were going to beat Wendy Richter for the title and then lose it back at uh, WrestleMania? And she said, I really didn't know, but Don Morocco couldn't keep his mouth shut and kept telling me something big was coming, something big was coming. So she kind of had a feeling it might be happening. She said Morocco could never keep a secret. Promoters would never tell him anything. Wow. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And and they probably had the most fun of their life, though, working with the Jumping Bomb Angels when they came in later in the year. I can imagine they were finally able to be showcased. They had some damn good matches. I'm getting into those right now on my other uh, show. Okay. So perfect timing with that conversation. Absolutely. And then also also there was um, John Nord was back, so we talked to him some more. Back Friday night when we were talking to John Nord, he told us a story. And he says, if you don't believe me, Jake Roberts will back up. He goes, matter of fact, let me call Jake now. And (laughs) Jake was in Texas. So he calls Jake Roberts. Unfortunately, nobody – Jake didn't answer the phone. He must have been in bed because this was probably around 1130 at night when – he he called him. Then he tried to call him again the next day, and, and Jake didn't answer. But I saw it in his phone. It, it said Jake Roberts. So he, Nord was that nice enough guy. He he's not uh, bullshitting us. He right. was actually calling him. Right. So there was uh, Barry Horowitz, who I, I talked to for a little bit, and he talked about how I asked him about if he ever had heat with uh, Bret Hart over using the name Bret Hart in Mid Atlantic. And he said, at first, yes, there was a lot of heat between them. But um, after he worked with Owen there in the late 80s, Owen kind of soothed everything over because he let Brett know that he wasn't just a job guy that was getting beat using his name. He he could actually work. Also, there one of my childhood, I won't say idols, but the one and only Gary Michael Capetta, who Love I had him. seen since I started watching wrestling. Wow. <laughs> And he he was the nicest guy in the world. I, I asked him if his car ever got stolen when he was doing the TV tapings in um in Philadelphia. He said he said <laughs> no, he never had any vandalism there either. But one time um, he went to a Saturday night show on his own, and he pulled into a an empty lot because he saw some other cars in there. So he figured out ah, I'll be okay if I pull in there. And and when he came out, they had the chains and gates up on oh. the lot, and he <laughs> couldn't get out. And he <laughs> and he had to wait until the next morning. Um, he had to call somebody to come pick him up and then go back the next morning. And fortunately, the lot was open at that time. Or this empty parking lot. <laughs> no cell phones but, uh, back then either. So I wonder where, where he had to go to make the phone call. No, uh, he went to a bar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he said he, he wasn't too wild about being in the bar because the arena wasn't exactly the best section of Philadelphia. Yeah, Even though... Sure. <laughs> American Bandstand was filmed right next to it once upon a time. Useless knowledge there. Also, as I said, Baron Von Rasky was there. So got to talk to the Baron for a little bit. And 
asked him, what about the um, the red X they used to put on the TV in the WWF? And I, I told him how I used to try to look behind the X. And, you know, as a kid, <laughs> what did I know? And uh, he said, you know what? I always wondered what was behind that X. I never did find out. It's amazing. How old is Bear now, would you say? He was 82. 82, wow. And he's still making those, Eight, those trips to the Fan Fest. That's pretty and cool. He was walking with a cane. You could tell when he came in, he didn't wasn't fully balanced, but he insisted during the Fan Fest part of standing for every minute. Uh, they found a podium that, so that he could lean against before you took the picture with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you saw my picture with him giving me the claw. He gave everyone the claw for their picture. That's pretty badass. And he put pressure on the claw. So it just wasn't like a light claw. Right. Yeah, I mean, he didn't do full pressure. But you could tell, looking at his hand, that he put pressure That's on cool. the claw. That's he, cool. he, he was a really nice guy. I also got Jerry Briscoe. And I, I wanted to ask this during the other thing, but it was a little bit too serious of a question. I wanted to ask him, and, and I did ask him, I said, how much heat did you get from the other NWA long-timers, and especially Eddie Graham? Uh, because the story is that when you sold your shares, when, when you and Jack sold your shares to Vince, that was basically what sealed the uh, the fate and Vince took it over. And he said it, it was bad. It, it was real bad. He said him and um, Jack did patch things up with Eddie shortly before he died. Mm-hmm. But he said they got death threats and everything else from some of the other longtime N- NWA members. Right. And then I asked him, well, what, what about Oli? You know, Oli always came off it as as real bitter. You know, after that over was over. But what what happened to Oli's shares? Did he stay partners with Vince? I mean, because he had shares in it too. Right. And he said the reason Oli got so bitter was because being that everyone else sold their shares, he was the only one with any left. Yeah, and he had to sell. Wow, I didn't know it would have worked he, like he that. He had to give them up because it was doing him no good, and Vince ended up buying him out also. Okay. Just to get rid of him. Right. So that's part of the reason why Oli was always, um, you know, was always so bitter. And then finally, I uh, got a couple of minutes with Steve Kern. And I asked him about, since we're doing a Georgia podcast, and I didn't tell him I was doing a Georgia podcast. Um, I didn't want to like big time him or something like that, where all of a sudden he would shut up. I said to him, I, I got a question for you. You and Kevin Sullivan both arrived in Georgia around the same time, approximately May of 1980 or June of 1980. Were you guys sent there or were you called or exactly how it happened? Mm -hmm. And he told me it was the Briscoes and Eddie Graham that suggested that both of them go there to help uh, with the national expansion of the television show. Get their names out and get their faces on uh, cable TV as well. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's why they lasted so long. And then I asked them, well, who decided to pair the two of you guys up when um, when they turned Sullivan heel? I said, did you guys volunteer for that? He says, in wrestling, you really don't volunteer for anything unless they come and ask you if there's something that you would like to do. Right. He said, whoever the booker at the time. So I'm guessing he just forgot about Robert Fuller. I mean, he worked for how many years? He said it, it was probably the bookers at the time uh, idea just to pair us together. And uh, and I do remember those Boston street fights and we put a hurting on each other during those things. Well, I bet they did. You've heard those promos. They were talking about fighting through the crowd and whatnot and, and right up in the crowd. You know, they were laying it in. Make it good, baby. 
Oh, yeah. So, it, and then uh, the action wasn't all over where everybody else goes home on Sunday. Um, I stayed until Monday with about 15 other guys. And there's this guy named uh, Nick Massey who does like uh, virtual autograph signings and stuff mm-hmm. on- online. He was there and he w- he did an autograph thing with um, John Nord on Saturday. And then on Sunday, he did one with Chavo Guerrero and Jerry Briscoe that myself and um, uh, another fan there, uh, Benji Fito, uh, happened to be able to um, sit in on the thing. And just watching uh, Briscoe and uh, Hector Guerrero going back and forth sharing old stories and stuff, it was really neat to like another behind the scenes look. So uh, overall, this was the fourth one that I've been to, and mm-hmm. unfortunately the last one. But this was probably the uh, the best one that I had attended. That's awesome. I'm glad you had a great time. Yeah. So it's always yeah, it, good it, when you hear that somebody got out of their house and and you know made a trip somewhere and they actually had a really good time because. Doesn't always happen like that, but it sounds like you really had yeah. a, a really good time. See, see, they Barry Roses and Dave Penzer, who run it together, right. have done a good job of, of keeping it small and intimate. Their max is maybe 150 people attend this thing, and, well, and I love um, that it's oh, you know I, it's not just the slogan they they do it for the fans. They literally do it for the fans. Yeah, they probably make a couple dollars out of it just to make sure they're they're not losing money. But at the end of the day, they want to make sure everybody has the time to actually be treated like a human being and a fan. You know, rather than, you know, just a, another guy that's going to make him a couple bucks. And they don't try to kayfabe you, any of the wrestlers that are there. They they talk straight up to you. I mean, last time that I was there, uh, Dory Funk Jr. was there. And you know the story of Dory, Marty, and um, and Roman Gomez. So, but <laughs> but she didn't, uh, she was nice as could be. I, however, she ripped me off for five bucks. I bought a book and she didn't have change. She said, come back and see me later, sweetie. No, I never went back because I I knew she wasn't giving me the five dollars. I got a she, I got a Marty Funk story that goes back twenty years, Jamie, and it's it's a doozy. We'll save it for another episode, but just remind me okay. down the road. Oh, I, I certainly will because they're going to be making appearances in Georgia, and who knows how long that we're going to wind up doing this thing. And there's going to be many many uh, appearances of Dory and Terry as we go along. If anyone, I just just one final thing, Ray, before sure. I, I get off it. N- number one for everybody. If you get a chance, check out the other ship podcast. Absolutely. You'll enjoy it. It's it, it's something different. They talk wrestling. They'll do music, food, sports. And the other thing is, if you ever have a chance to attend any of these smaller, intimate ones, you got to go. I've been to the ones in Philadelphia. They're like a cattle call. But this thing here, you actually get a chance and the time to sit with your idols. Mm-hmm. I mean, I started going in the 80s on the Joel Goodhart and Carmella Panfield trips, me and Tom. And, you know, they were kind of on the smaller side, but we didn't get that much one-on-one time with the wrestlers. But they were all very cordial. We took pictures with them. You know, I went to the uh, UF conventions a couple of years after that where I met guys like, well, I already met John McAdam before that. But uh, other people like that, uh, that we've all stayed friends all the way up 30-plus some years later. Right. And now, you know, the last thing I had gone to was the um, Fujinami Flare. There was a smart fan gathering back in 90, 91, I guess that yeah. was, yeah. down in Tampa that Ron Lemieux ran. And a lot of those faces that I saw on that trip, I reconnected with through this. If you had the chance, go to these things. You won't regret it. Not only will you meet, you know, the wrestlers, your idols, but you're going to meet a bunch of good guys that have the same as that common interest 
that you have, and it, it it's well worth it. Maybe Ray Russell will run one of these someday. Get everybody know. out there to Cleveland to to celebrate the end history of the NWF and Pedro Martinez. Oh man, I, that that part that part sounds fun. Johnny Johnny Powersathon or something. Johnny Powers. Uh, that's right. That's right. Martinez bought it from Powers. No, Pedro had it first. Johnny okay. kind of jumped in there with him. But yeah, that and was, you had the Super Bowl wrestling, the original one. Oh, I wasn't there. Where they had the ride, right? <laughs> yeah, where they, they had municipal stadium. Where they had three rings with three matches going on at the same fucking time, right? And th- and three people in the audience. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. I didn't mean to bore everybody with no, that, but if you cool. do get a chance, you, you should attend one of these things. They're they're really good. And from what I understand, they may not be done totally, but just this form. They're looking at a way to continue without making it too expensive right. and trying to keep it intimate but it, it's really rough they're like they they penzer said that they're running one over in jacksonville next weekend and the fee for kurt angle is more than he paid all his talent just to be, appear at this show i believe that so the new guys that are behind the wrestlers i guess not agents but whatever they are Right. whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. They're just pricing out the, the middle and the, the low man so they can't run events like this. Uh, it's really unfortunate. It's mostly unfortunate for the fans, but also some of the legends that, you know, get to freaking actually like to hang out and, you know, aren't, aren't above the wrestling fan, or at least the ones that, you know, treat them respectfully anyway. So, And that's what John Nord was saying. I'm not any better than any of you guys. That's why I like to hang out and talk to you. And uh, he said he loves this new thing, going to all these uh, different events and meeting people. That's pretty cool. Well, Jamie, I want to thank you for joining the show here again this week, talking a little more Georgia 81, heading into the month of April here pretty soon. So we're uh, almost a quarter of the way through the year of 81 already and lots more to come there. I also want to thank you for sharing some of your stories here over the weekend, spending time down in Florida at the Fan Fest. Barry Rose, David Penzer, sounded like a great time. Lots of great guys you got to meet. And uh, who knows, maybe someday what we'll uh, sneak a phone call in on John Norders, something like that down the line. But for right now, Jamie, I just want to say I appreciate you so very much for being here yet again. Uh, my pleasure as always. You know, uh, talking with you just brings all these great memories I've had in my head for years that I haven't been able to tell anybody, and now I get the chance. That's the re- whole reason I started this myself. I knew all these things, and I have nobody to tell them to, and, and now we do. So that's pretty damn cool, and you know, I get a lot of great feedback, you know, specifically from these Georgia shows and the Mid-South shows I do with Roman people loving to go back in time and loving that we deep dive, that we don't just read results and move on, that we actually dissect a lot of things and talk about it. And that's the feedback that I got this weekend. I mean, I had at least like 15 people come up to me and tell me that they, they listen to the podcast and they really respect what you do, you know, with the deep dives, you know, they, they try to tell me, you know, Oh, I'd love your podcast. No, it's not my podcast. It's Ray Russell's podcast. <laughs> Guys like Roman and I, we're just along for the ride. You're the one that does all the hard work. And if these people could really, they should get the Patreon because if they, they could just see all your notes and all the uh, hard work that you put in ahead of time, they would really appreciate it. I appreciate the hard you, selling the Patreon. Because you, you make it easy for me. I'm, I'm going to, spoil, spoiler alert, Ray has everything on the screen. I know almost every word that he's about to say, <laughs> and it makes it real, it makes it real easy for guys like Roman and I just to give our feedback and just let it flow. 
Sounds good. I love it. Thank you for the uh, hard sell on that Patreon as well. Always can use another patron or two because, you know, they help pay the bills here. I'm not a millionaire like some of these other guys. Either way, <laughs> it is what it is. And uh, we're going to wrap it up here this week, Jamie. So just appreciate you. Hopefully we'll have you back very soon and continue on this trip down Georgia Championship Wrestling. When you want me, I'm here. All right, guys, and that's going to wrap up another edition of the show here covering Georgia Championship Wrestling 1981. want to thank you again one more time here this week, Jamie Ward, for joining the show. But we'll be back again soon. Roman Gomez is going to return to talk more Mid-South, well, UWF 1986. And, of course, I am your host, Ray Russell. You can follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. And I'm promising you we'll be back very soon with more regional wrestling where we talk the territories. 